is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. Now, there's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. We are the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can call us at 631 672 3108, and you go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's going on, Speedy? Well, a little bit of nerves from different things this weekend. Unfortunately, I lost my wallet. I found it at your house, luckily. And then there was the draft, which everyone's going to be nervous about, but I was happy about it. And now it's the New York Rangers playoffs, which is a tie game 3-3 right now. They were up 2 nothing, and so far I've given it away. <laughs> we have a great show lined up for you guys. As everybody knows, we're going to have our draft panel a little bit later in the show. We're going to have Lance Sanderson on our show, Travis May, John Vogel, and Ray Cotto. They're all going to be on our uh, unbelievable draft panel. It's going to be fun. We're going to go through the draft and their thoughts throughout the draft. They all had their different draft boards, and uh, they're going to be arguing out who and what they thought should have happened in the draft. Uh, But before we get into what we're going to get into on the show today, I want to thank everybody Everybody around the country, everybody that's written to me throughout social media on the condolences of the deaths of my my family members over the last couple of weeks. Um, I lost a cousin at 22 years old, a very close cousin. Um, uh, It's it's been really, really hard the last couple of weeks dealing with what I've been dealing with. Uh, My my, uh, nephew 10 weeks ago passed away at four months old, Um, and then obviously – uh, another family member passed away recently as well. So uh, all the people out there that have reached out to me and given my con- their condolences to my family members and myself, uh, it's been really, really hard. I've been dealing with so much stuff and even uh, coming on the show and doing the show every single week. And I don't really speak about any of that on the show because it, it just it, it's not proper to talk about on a radio show. But for all the people that listen to the show and – and, and do the things that they do and reach out to me. Uh, I really, really, really appreciate everybody that's done that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we have a great show lined up for you guys. As you know, we're going to have our draft panel. Uh, we're obviously going to get into the Jets and Giants draft recap. Tyron Matthews, a.k.a. the Honey Badger, signs a three-year, $33 million contract with the Saints, $18 million guaranteed. DeAndre Hopkins suspended for six games for PED. Maybe that's why they traded for Marquise Brown, a.k.a. Hollywood Brown, in the draft. Um, And obviously, A.J. Brown, in the middle of the draft, in the middle of the first round, gets traded to the Eagles, and he gets his big contract, four years, $100 million contract. 
You have something to say over there, Speed? I know you're waiting for something. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just as a Giants fan, I was just rolling for a great draft, and all of a sudden the Eagles with a bombshell trade for A.J. Brown. <laughs> that wasn't the only thing. and We're, we're going to get into the no, draft The Eagles first. had a great draft beyond that, too. <laughs> I mean, Jordan Davis is not too shabby either. And the Kobe Dean. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into that. But anyways, we'll, we'll, let's get into the draft first. We're also going to get into the hot New York Yankees, 10 games in a row. They're up 2-1 to one right now against the Blue Jays in the sixth inning. So uh, the Yankees are going for win number 11 in a row. Uh, the Mets are playing good baseball right now. The two best teams in baseball as of right now are the two New York teams, the Yankees and the Mets. I don't know when the last time that's happened, but uh, that's a great story right now. The Rangers and the Pittsburgh uh, – well, Pittsburgh uh, – well, I don't know what we want to call them. The Penguins, but we can call them the Shangulins or whatever the hell we want to call them. Uh, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins – are tied 3-3 three to three going into the third period. So uh, we will get into everything going on into the hockey playoffs. So much to get into, so much content we have to get into. But first, let's get into the, uh, the NFL draft. And going into the draft, I know a lot of people were talking about the Jets making a move for a big-time wide receiver. Debo Samuel was the name that everybody was talking about. DK Metcalf was another guy. Uh, that the Jets were interested in. Tyreek Hill a couple of weeks ago before he decided to go to the Miami Dolphins. But really going into this draft, they had to figure out how they're going to stop these top wide receivers right now that are going to be playing in the AFC and in their division. With obviously Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill and and now Parker, well, Devon, I, I don't think Devontae Parker is that great of a wide receiver, but he's he went to the, the, the New England Patriots. But going into this draft, a lot of people were figuring out where the Jets were going to go. I thought they were going to go for uh, offensive linemen. A lot of people thought that them and Makai Beckham and his team were not getting along and that Makai Beckham wanted to be traded. And then some people were saying maybe they should go for a corner at number four. Maybe a Stingley or a Sauce Gardner. Or a pass rusher, which everybody was talking about Johnson. And then maybe George uh, Karloftis or something of that magnitude. Maybe a Kavon Thibodeau. But what we saw... On draft day was the Jets do the things that they needed to do for the last, I would say, 15 years. They have made so many mistakes throughout the last 15 years of their draft. They have been the worst draft team in the NFL in the last 20 years. They had two first-round draft picks at 4-10. and 10. They were dangling the 10th pick. Because they weren't sure if they were interested in Debo Samuels. Are they going to pay Debo Samuels $25 million. That's taking a lot off their salary cap, which, you know, uh, Joe Douglas doesn't really like to spend. He likes to give these interesting contracts, these three, maybe two-year contracts, um, really uh, upfront money in the beginning of the contract. And then he could decide what he wants to do in the second and third year, maybe drop the contract and it doesn't hurt them. Going into the draft, I didn't expect the draft really early in the first round to go as fast as it did. Usually teams use that seven, eight minutes that they have to decide where they're going to go. And nobody knew where the Jaguars were going at one. Nobody. Not even the Jaguars. 
Pat McAfee did. I mean, he, he had uh, his own thoughts going into the draft on where they were going, and, and boy, oh boy, he was right. Maybe they should have drafted him number one overall. Yeah, right. That would be classic yeah. Jaguars. Really, when Walker's name was called, I really thought when we, lo- when we talked to John Daigle, everything was going to fall in the proper way that he said it was. Walker went one to the Jaguars. Within three or four minutes, the pick came in. Roger Goodell goes up to the mic and obviously calls out, you know, Hutchinson's name, uh, the hometown hero over there in Michigan. He goes home to the Detroit Lions. And then three, there was there were so many questions where the Texans were going to go at three. But again, John Daigle said yesterday, I mean, not yesterday, last week, that there was a lot of talks that they were interested in Stingley. Goodell goes up there within five minutes. It was pretty quick. Stingley's name gets called. So now the Jets are sitting at four. Joe Douglas had the pick of the litter. He can go for Sauce Gardner. He can go for Johnson. He can go for Kevon Thibodeau. As Roger Goodell goes up to the mic... A lot of Jet fans were screaming Sauce at the NFL draft. Everybody wanted to hear Sauce's name. And I understand why the Jet fans wanted to see Sauce Garner. One, his pizzazz. I mean, who he is as a player on the field. The way he talks, the confidence. That's something that you want to see a New Yorker or a New York player play like. They love the fact that the guy didn't give up any touchdowns when he was over there in Cincinnati for the three years that he played. He was a dominant force on a very good defense. Yes, Cincinnati is not playing in the best conference. That doesn't matter. When you don't give a touchdown up in three years, that says what you are as a player. Dominant. And when Roger Goodell went up there and read off his name, and it wasn't Ahmad Gardner. It was sauce. Jet fans had a breath of fresh air. And why? Because Joe Douglas followed his own intuition. He followed what he thought the Jets needed to win in this division for the next five to ten years. They need a shutdown corner. Sauce Garner was the most important pick in this draft for the New York Jets. As good as the draft fell to the New York Jets and what Joe Douglas did in the first round and what he did in the second round, moving up for Bryce Brees Hall, they needed a shutdown corner to, corner to stop a Tyreek Hill, to stop a Stephon Diggs or any of the big wide receivers in the AFC and NFC. Then at 10, everybody thought there was an hour until that 10th pick was going to come up. And we'll get into the Giants pick in, in just a little while. The 10th pick came up. And everybody thought the Jets were going to trade out of that pick. They were going to trade with San Francisco. Maybe they trade with Seattle. There was stories coming out after the draft that the Jets were willing to trade with Seattle at number 9. If Garrett, uh, obviously Garrett Wilson was in position, and somebody else was going to jump over them to get him. 
But once Seattle picked their offensive lineman, which a lot of people expected them to do because that offensive line is horrible, and now they have Drew Locke throwing the ball and moving in the pocket. They don't have Russell Wilson. At number 10, Garrett Wilson's name was called. And then you the size of relief for the New York Jets because I believe the Jets got the best, really maybe the best player in the whole draft in Sauce Gardner and the best corner in this year's draft. And they got the best wide receiver in this draft, I believe. The best route runner. The best all-around wide receiver in this class. In Garrett Wilson. And as the draft in the first round kept moving, in the 15th, at the 15th pick, at the 16th pick, you were wondering, with the two second-round draft picks that the Jets had, were they going to try to move into the first round to land a pass rusher. And as we saw the board, Kaloftis was there. Johnson was still on the board all the way into the 20s. 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th. And at the 26th pick, Tennessee sitting there, you saw the Jets moved up, didn't give up really anything. They give up a fifth-round draft pick, a flop of a third-round draft pick, and their second round pick in their first to trade up into the first round to draft Jermaine Johnson, who was arguably the third best pass rusher in this year's draft. What does that say for Joe Douglas? Are they winning the Super Bowl, Jeff? No, they're not winning the Super Bowl. Nobody said they're winning the Super Bowl. But, of course, that would come from a New England Patriot fan thinking that all the Jet fans think that they're going to win the Super Bowl because they got the three players that they really wanted. What it tells you is that this regime, Joe Douglas, actually knows what he is doing. He is not going to choke like Mike McCagnin did and make mistakes in the first and second round, which cost the Jets years and years of talent. So you ask me, who won the first day of the draft? There were three teams. Three teams that stand out amongst the rest. The New York Jets would be my number one. Not because I'm a Jet fan. Not because we're in New York and all we do is talk about Jets and Giants. My number two team are the Eagles. Making a trade uh, making a trade with Tennessee for A.J. Brown, adding the wide receiver they've been absolutely needing in that division in the NFC, NFC East where, believe it or not, Dallas going into the draft was the best team in the NFC East. That's not saying much. But adding A.J. Brown to your team and your roster makes your team that much better. And I don't want to hear about Traylon Burks. He's a good player, and they're trying to compare his size, and they're trying to compare his hands and his speed and his ability. He is not A.J. Brown. Until he steps on an NFL field and does what A.J. Brown has done over the last couple of years, which is a top five wide receiver, you cannot compare him to A.J. Brown. 
Jordan Davis, who some people say is the best defensive talent in this draft class. I just said Sauce Gardner, but a lot of people think it's Jordan Davis. Them getting Jordan Davis at what, 12? 13. 13? I mean, you're you're seeing what this, this Eagle team is trying to do. Build around their defense and then add some offensive weapons to help out Smith, a young wide receiver that played well last year. A young running game that played very well last year. And a young quarterback that needs weapons. My number three team? Speedy, could you guess my number three team? The Ravens. The Ravens. Mm-hmm. Adding a star center in the, the late first round, who I think Landenbaum, uh, I'm, I'm spelling his name right, but he, he's fantastic. He's a fantastic center from Iowa. And, and to me, I believe he was going to fall out of the first round. I thought he was going to go in the second round. But adding him and adding, uh, what's his name again in the first round as Kyle well? Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton, who they got uh, 14, 14 right after Jordan Davis. You actually called that scenario, too. Yes, you did. said Jordan Davis to the Ravens in our mock draft. Yes, and I did. Everyone reported after the Eagles drafted Jordan Davis, the Ravens were very interested, so they knew to leapfrog. My first round draft was dead on in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really was. And I'm not saying that to blow my head up, but I, I really called a lot of different players falling to different teams. Obviously, the quarterback going to Pittsburgh, I called mm-hmm. that. I thought that the Ravens were the third best team. And my fourth best team was Kansas City. I know everybody keeps saying, the, what about the Giants? I'm going to get to the Giants in just a few moments. My fourth team is the Kansas City Chiefs with McDuffie. And then, obviously, adding George Karloftis. In the first round, a pass rusher and arguably the second or some people say could be the third or fourth best corner in this year's draft might be the best one. Who knows? In the first round, trying to help out their secondary, which they lost to Honey Badger, who now is playing for the Saints. So you look at the first round, and there are a lot of winners. And I, I, I saw what Pat McAfee did. So obviously, Jeff sent me all the thing, you know, all the, the the different teams and where he rated the teams and who was the winners and who was the losers. And he believed that the the Cowboys were the F minus of the <laughs> of the draft. <laughs> they were all A pluses except maybe three or four different teams. Okay, that's a lot. But looking at this year's draft, Jets draft class. It reminds me of the 2000 draft when the Jets had four first-round draft picks. Sean Ellis, who was a good NFL player. John Abraham was a great NFL player. Chad Pennington, who when he was healthy was a great quarterback. And Anthony Bett, who was a decent tight end. Not a great tight end, but a decent tight end. If this draft class is anywhere as good or better than that class... The Jets are really in position to do very, very well in the next one or two years. This is what you would consider the iconic franchise-changing draft class for these types of teams that have been so bad for so long. For the Browns, look at three years ago, 2018, that was it for them with Chubb and Denzel Ward, guys like that. The Bengals two years ago with Burrow and T. Higgins. This one looks like the one for the Jets. And we've seen teams have three first-round picks in the past, but... 
in terms of that good of value right in those spots, it's very hard to duplicate what the Jets did on any draft. Sauce Gardner was a lot of people's number one guy in the draft, and was top five on most draft analysts' boards. Then you have Garrett Wilson, who I think most draft analysts had as either the number one or number two receiver in this draft. Some people said Burks, some people said Williams, but most of them had Wilson either one or two. And then Jermaine Johnson, I had his pass rusher number three. I had him against the ahead of the guy that was drafted number one overall. Most people had Jermaine Johnson in the top ten on their draft board. Uh-huh. And how he fell to 26, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Maybe he was bad with his interview. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Maybe because he's 24 years old as the season begins mm-hmm. uh, this coming year. Who knows? But the fact that Jermaine John- Johnson fell all the way to number 26 is, is shocking. Yeah. No, it's definitely shocking con- considering that he didn't have durability issues in college. He's coming off his best season, his first full season, uh, his first full season where he had the double-digit sacks because he played at Georgia, but he was in a crowded defensive line as we saw a lot of their defensive players go in the draft and also Aziz Ojolari drafted by the Giants last year. So he wanted to transfer, so where he got a bigger role, and he shined. And there weren't any character issues. So, yeah, maybe it was I, – I, my theory would be age would be the most likely scenario. But, yeah, you never know. It could be a, a wonderful test. I think it had a lot to do with the interviews. Yeah, it's uh, A lot of people yeah. are saying – a lot of the experts and the analysts are saying he didn't really do very well in the interviews when they were asking him questions. Who knows? I mean, we've said this – Des Bryant right. did terrible in the interviews. And look, how, look at the type of player he became mm-hmm. as an NFL player with the Cowboys. Right. I mean, they asked him questions about his mother being a stripper. Right. And, yeah. And, I mean, Des Bryant fell in the draft because of that. The Falcons did that recently, too, I think, with one of their draft picks. I want to I say it was Tack McKinley or Vic Beasley, one of their pass rushers they drafted, too, were saying the same thing after the draft, that they were asking these weird questions. NFL team. Could be strange sometimes. But, Absolutely. But nevertheless, we see teams have three first round picks in the past. I, I mentioned the 2019 Giants on the weekend mm-hmm. crunch. The Giants got nowhere near the value that the Jets got in this draft. Dexter Lawrence has been a nice player. He was drafted at 17. A lot of people were thinking at that time that was a reach. And DeAndre Baker, some people liked him, some people didn't. Went third, he had the off field issues. And Daniel Jones, number six, which pretty much nobody liked. The Vikings had three first-round picks in 2013. Xavier Rhodes turned out to be a nice player. Sharif Floyd at 14 was a steal at that time, but then he had all those injuries, then he had that mm-hmm. heart problem. He was forced to retire. And then Cordero Patterson, who had a decent rookie year, but wasn't never really developed into the same receiver. And there's plenty of other examples like that. No other team ever turned out that level of value that the Jets turned out. And Weapons Hot, shout-out to them. They came back yesterday. Uh, Kevin was saying that, According to uh, scouts.com or something like that, Mm -hmm. the Jets were the first team ever to have three players graded 90 or higher in the first round. It's funny because the Jets did the same thing last year and had a quality draft last Mm -hmm. year and and getting Elijah Moore, who a lot of people thought was a top 15 prospect in the second round, in the beginning of the second round, which they were surprised he was sitting there. And then... I was I, I was hearing after the draft that Joe Douglas was trying to move up in the first round again to try to land Brees Hall. And what did he do in the second day? In the second round, he moved he moved up for Brees Hall with the New York Giants, traded up with the Giants, which is surprising that the Giants were trying to help the Jets to get Brees Hall, arguably the best running back in in this whole draft. And you heard Brees Hall, the confidence level that he has, and obviously adding him to that running back room with Michael Carter and and Trevor... Tevin uh, Coleman. Tevin Coleman. I always mess up his name. (laughs) Tevin Coleman and and Johnson. 
I mean, this is a good running back, uh, you know, running back room for the New York Jets. So you go back and you try to argue, where are the Jets weak now? Now, where do the Jets need? And there are a lot of pieces that the Jets need still to be a contending playoff team consistently. They're not a playoff team yet. They're going into the season with the youngest team in the NFL. So you have Zach Wilson in his second year. He's got to play with Garrett Wilson for the first time. He's got to play with Uzma. He's got to play with Conklin. He's got to play with Brees Hall. All these guys, all these new pieces, he's never played with. So it's going to take a little while for them to get settled in as Jets. But once this team figures it out, and if Zach Wilson is the quarterback that they thought he was going to be when they drafted him last year as the second pick of the first round, well, then the Jets have something in a very difficult division. And, yes, this is going to be a very difficult division. You have Buffalo with Josh Allen, what he did in the playoffs last year against Kansas City, and now the new NFL rules in the playoffs. That's going to be interesting moving forward. And then you have the Patriots with a, a second-year Mac Jones and some of the weapons they added, Devontae Parker and, and, and some of the players they added in the offseason. This is still a very good team. And they drafted two more running backs. Miami adding Tyreek Hill and the draft that they had wasn't the greatest draft, but it wasn't a bad draft. <laughs> I think they only had four picks. Total. It doesn't matter. Those no, four know. picks were pretty good. They were. So this is a good division. So the Jets are in a, a very difficult division and a very difficult conference. The AFC is not going to be easy this year. Baltimore is going to be sensational. They're going to be healthy this year. Cleveland with Deshaun Watson, whenever he plays. Where's Baker going? I had no idea. I thought Baker was going to be traded sometime in the draft. Very surprised he's still a Cleveland Brown. People were thinking Seattle was going to trade back. They were going to trade back into the first round so they could trade a first round pick to the Browns, is what I was hearing. Kansas City added some pieces to the team that everybody thought was going to take steps back, but they added McDuffie and they added, obviously, uh, George Kovloftis. I mean, this is going to be. Still a very good and now more talentedly young team. And then you have the Las Vegas Raiders and the Chargers. This is, this is not going to be an easy conference. And that's why I think if the Jets win seven, maybe eight games this year, that's a good season for the New York Jets. Because you got to remember, too, that they're going to have to play those divisions in back-to-back years, too. The AFC North, which was loaded. The AFC West, which is loaded. They're going to be playing against next year, too. So the Jets getting those extra, those really high-quality pieces to take on those level of passing games that they're going to have. We talk about the AFC West quarterbacks all the time, probably being the best individual Swish. division we've ever seen. And then the AFC North, you got Joe Burrow, you got Lamar Jackson. We'll see, we'll see when Deshaun Watson comes back. But he'll be back at some point during, like, the next three years, you would imagine, unless there's more cases. But the, the Jets are building for this kind of long term to be a contender in the AFC. And yes, this will be their year of can they make that leap when it comes to the wins and losses. We've definitely seen the player development at certain points this year. They hung tough with some good teams. Their defense played very well in the first half. And their offense played very well in the second half. You talk about it all the time. Zach Wilson really limited the turnovers. They were second in touch or touchdown interception ratio in the second half of the season. So now you have all those tools to work with now in a scheme that relies on versatility at its finest. And teams that have that are probably going to take steps back this year 
are the Titans. They mm-hmm. lost A.J. Brown. Now, are they still going to be a talented team? They still have Derrick Henry. He's one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the NFL. Uh, they added, obviously, Burks to this team. How good is Burks going to be in a new offense, learning an NFL style of offense, that style of game? So we're going to have to see how he grows. And, and, and Tannehill isn't the best quarterback. Are you gonna, and they added Malik. Uh, it, later in the rounds, I think it was a third-round pick. Third-round pick. Yeah, so uh, maybe he's the future quarterback. And you heard what Tannehill said today, yeah. that he's not going to be the guy that's going to teach Malik how to play you know, in the NFL. That's not his job, I mean, what you which really I think learn, is ridiculous. I mean, what you really want to learn from Ryan Tannehill. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it just shows you how much of a team player he is. I mean, seriously. I, I, I mean, the Colts have gotten better. The Texans, well, they're going to still be bad. And the Jaguars are still going to be bad. But the teams that you're, you're looking – you look at this year, they're going to be contenders. You have the Bills, the Patriots, maybe the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, the uh, the Titans maybe, and the Colts. Then you have the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. So uh, this conference is going to be very difficult. And the Jets need to add – they needed to add these pieces, this offensive style of game. And, and then they added Johnson to a defense that just got very much better in the offseason. Adding Reed, now adding Sauce. And now adding, obviously, Whitehead and then Johnson and then, obviously, Lawson. Carl Lawson, who didn't even play last year. This is going to be a much different defense coming in a new season. So if you're a Jet fan, you should be excited for the New York Jets. Now, does that make them going to – is that – believe to make them a playoff team? Do you believe they're a Super Bowl contender? If you're a real fan and you know something about football, the answer would be no. But is it something to be excited about? Absolutely. Yeah, it would take like a Bengals-like turnaround for that to happen, which are very, very rare in, today, in, in any, for, any sport, any form of the NFL. Usually it takes a couple of years to really get it going. You've, you've seen that now with teams like the Rams, teams like the Chiefs. They lose a couple in the playoffs, then they get to their Super Bowl, then they win it. It's a, a phase. And then there's the Giants. And, and I wanted to wait for the Giants. I want to give the Giants a lot of credit because I like – what they did. And I, I like what the coaching staff did. I like where, where you look, where you were looking at where they were going to fall in the draft, who was going to fall to them, and everybody thought they were going to go at five with the offensive linemen. They had to jump on Kevon Thibodeau. And the reason why I believe they jumped on Kevon Thibodeau is because they were afraid that if they didn't draft him at five, at six, somebody was going to jump him. That the Carolina Panthers were going to trade out of that pick because they're still going to get their offensive lineman that they wanted to get Kayvon Thibodeau. But the Giants got Kayvon Thibodeau, who, by the way, was exciting. If you're a Giant fan, looking at the, the suit that he was wearing, the pizzazz, and going on the stage, screaming, and, and just being who he is as a personality. And you want a personality like that to come to New York. You expect that from Sauce, and you expect that from Kayvon. And all, the background of Kayvon Thibodeau in his life, you know, before he even played college football, is, is very interesting. This man has a tremendous amount of endorsements before he even stepped on an NFL football field. This guy is everything the Giants have been craving for. For the last, I don't know, since, since Michael Strahan yeah. and Justin Tuck. But if you're a Giant fan, you should be excited to add Thibodeau. Now, we don't know how healthy his peck is. We don't know how healthy he is. Who cares? On paper, 
It was a good pick. And then obviously, Carolina drafts the offensive lineman. We expected that. But nobody would have thought, being that Evan Neal was the best tackle in this year's draft, probably the best offensive lineman, I would say about five months ago, everybody thought Evan Neal was the the more than likely number one pick. He falls all the way to seven to the New York Giants. And the Giants couldn't have called his name any faster than they did. Now, there were stories that he could have knee problems. Maybe that's why he lost a little bit of weight in the offseason. Maybe. If you're a Giant fan right now, to get arguably the the most athletic pass rusher in this year's draft and arguably the best offensive lineman in this year's draft, you should be pretty happy. I was thrilled. I I was talking to some people that that was going to be the dream scenario of what I was hoping for for the Giants. Because I knew Evan Neal, his slide was only really coming recently because of the knee problems, like John Daigle was saying when we had him on the show. So I figured it wasn't anything like too major that was going to drop him out of the like out of the top 10 or anything like that, like we saw with N'Kobe Dean, who was supposed to be a first-round pick, fell to the third. And we knew that... Carolina was going to take one offensive lineman if they didn't trade back or if they traded for Baker Mayfield, which was the other rumor they were trying to trade number six, and uh, I guess they didn't want to. But Aquanu going to the Panthers really solidified it was going to be an offensive lineman, and the fact that no off- offensive lineman went before that meant the Giants had the pick of the litter. So, like you were saying, it was the great scenario to trade for Thibodeau because the, or to draft Thibodeau at five because the Panthers weren't going to take Thibodeau. They have a good defensive line. It was only going to be if some other team wanted to trade up. We could have seen Atlanta trade up, Seattle, any of those teams that needed pass rushers in that spot could have traded up. So, the Giants did the right thing in terms of getting that scenario away because the Giants also were considering at seven also trading back too. So, if, let's say... The, the, they took Aquanu and then they lost Thibodeau at six. Then the Giants could have traded back and then maybe still gotten other pass rushers. There were different scenarios they were playing out. And we've seen the Giants be active in trading back in the second round already. So uh, Joe Shane was not afraid to do that. And you could definitely tell that they got their scenario of exactly what they wanted. I, I've never been more thrilled on a draft night as a Giants fan. Uh, if you were a Giant fan in the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round, they didn't do very well later in the rounds. But yeah, up and down. Being that they won the first round as well as they did, getting Thibodeau and obviously Evan Neal, a lot of, a lot of Giant fans are not going to sit back and cry about what they did in the later rounds. They needed to add a wide receiver. They added Robinson. Is Robinson something that really stands out? There were a lot of other good wide receivers that were sitting there where they were drafting in the second round. They decided to go with the speed guy. They added a guy that kind of, you know, you can compare and contrast uh, the type of player that he is to the guy they drafted last year right. in the first round. <laughs> exactly. The human joystick. So, uh, again, why did the Giants decide to draft Robinson? I don't know. Maybe he fits in the in the table, you know, a, a type of offense. I don't know. I, I have no idea why they decided to go with Robinson in the second round. But the Giants, I would grade them an A or a B plus. That's where or A minus if you wanna if you wanna look yeah, at the Giants. That's about what I Just have, because right? of the first round, getting the two players that they did, them falling to them the way that it did. That's why if you're a Giant fan, you should be very excited today that the Giants are going into the season. Now going going into the offseason, they had a very weak offensive line, adding some pieces to free agency the way they did, and then adding Neil 
to the right side, which, by the way, he's not playing on the left side, which is a good sign because, really, his whole college career, he was playing on the right side. So he's playing his position going to the New York Giants in the, in the NFL. So if you're a Giant fan, you should be excited. Thomas, now you have Thomas and Neal for the next five to ten years as your tackle position player. So, and those are two very important positions moving forward. So uh, Daniel Jones should be very excited, too, because he has people that can actually protect him now when he's not running for dear life. Yeah, and if he wants to be able to roll out and run like he has been in the past, too, uh, you want to have two tackles that can move around very well, too. And Evan Neal, for his size, is not he's, he can move a little bit, too. He's got good agility. He's got good legs that could that could go downfield. You saw Alabama all the time do all those screen passes. How many running backs did they have that did all those screen passes, too? So the mobility that they have. Thomas, I wouldn't say, is as mobile, but still is still a great run blocker that could help out Daniel Jones, too. Now, a lot of people were saying that the Giants should have taken cross because he's a better pass player. Locker, but Evan Neal, I think, is the more complete all-around player with more upside. So I think they made the right decision in that case. In terms of the rest of the draft, yeah, I, I was surprised they took Robinson. I like the fact that they traded back a bunch of times and got the extra picks because they need all the extra picks they can get. But that, yeah, that was a reach. There were not only better wide receivers in the spot, but better overall players that I would have taken. Losers in the first round. Uh, obviously, a lot of Cowboy fans are not happy where they drafted and who they drafted. And I know uh, the Beave and some of the <laughs> Cowboy fans that I know, Nithin, were not excited because they all thought they were going to move up for Sauce Gardner. I told everybody there was no way in hell Sauce Gardner was going to move. And by the way, when Kevin Jackson was making, you know, he was doing his draft board and his, you know, his picks, and he said that Sauce fell to the 20s, I don't know what he was smoking. <laughs> I mean, Sauce, Sauce wasn't going out of the top five. Maybe that was the blessing that uh, the Jets needed to draft him. And there was stories coming out that if he fell, if the, the Jets didn't draft Sauce at four, the Giants were going to draft uh, Sauce at five because mm-hmm. they were really interested in Sauce Gardner, too. So I, I think the Cowboys were a loser in the first round, adding Tyler Smith. He's a good player from Tulsa. But I, I'm sure the Cowboy fans are not excited about that type of pick. They want the pass rusher. They want that Micah Parsons type of player or the wide receiver. There was really no wide receivers on the board. After the top, you know, from 10 to 20, they all went. They really all went. Expected. The Lions jumping all the way, what, to 31? 32 to 12. 20 picks. 32 to 12. And adding Jamison Williams. I was very surprised. I thought it was going to be a quarterback. I remember that. <laughs> I, I, I thought, I, a lot of people thought that Jared Goff was, you know, going to have a heart attack. But now you see, now that doesn't mean that Jared Goff's the future quarterback of this organization. But next year, he's a free agent. He's going to be free to decide where he wants to go or are the Lions going to re-sign him. But next year's draft class is going to be a pretty good quarterback draft class. Including Jameson Williams quarterback, Bryce Young. That's right. Well, I don't, it depends on if he's the yeah. If he's I think the Lions pick, are going to be we'll a lot better this year sure. than anybody thinks they're going to That's be. That's fair. Especially what they did last year in the second half of the season. But... I do believe the Lions were one of the winners, too, in the first round. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers, as good as the Green Bay Packers, you know, they added Wyatt, they added Quay Walker. These are two really good players. There's no question that they are. And they both played with each other on the Georgia Bulldogs, which is also a good sign. They needed a wide receiver. And I would have done anything to either trade up Trade a pick next year, your first-round draft pick, and one of these picks to move up to get the wide receiver that you needed or wanted. Because now you're going to the season. Now, they could add Odell Beckham. 
But Odell Beckham might not play until the second half of the season. Right. He might not play until, like, the last five or six games. And they could be out already. They could bring in free agents or players that are off the waiver wire. Most of those guys aren't any good. Yeah, really the only other one left is Jarvis Landry. They could make a trade. I mean, <laughs> I don't know who. They maybe, might have no choice at this rate. <laughs> maybe if you want to trade for DeAndre Hopkins now, I mean, he might be cheap. <laughs> he, he won't be playing in the first six games, but he might be cheap. Who knows? There you go. You could, you could get DeAndre Hopkins, get him suspended for the first six games, then you could go sign Odell, who won't play until December. <laughs> I, I mean, sitting here right now, I, I think the Green Bay play, the Green Bay Packers lost in the first round. As good as they're the two defensive players that they drafted, and, and they needed to add defense on that defensive line, they needed more offense. They needed a wide receiver. Now they might be forced to overpay for one. Who are one. they throwing to? Right. Who's his number one wide receiver this year? <laughs> Who knows? It's either going to be. It's really going to be a, a, a platoon. You say that all the time with running backs. Who knows? It might even be Aaron Jones catching passes for all we know. Might Debo Samuel. <laughs> I, I see John Sugg says Debo Samuel. The Jets couldn't trade for Debo Samuel. And, and, and at one point, I thought the Jets were going to trade that 10th pick. Now I was hearing that the Jets were not trading that 10th pick. Right. They were offering the two second-round picks. Or one say, or they were trading the 10th and a 5th round pick for Debo. And there was no way. There was no way San Francisco was going to do that for one of the best wide receivers in the league. And what are the Green Bay Packers going to trade for Debo? They're going to be a good team anyways this year. They're going to be a, a top 5, top 6 team in the NFC. So what does that tell you? They're going to be in the 20s next year in the draft. So how many teams are going to be willing to take that 20, 25th, 26th pick to land, to land a Debo Samuel. I, I can't see San Francisco doing that because they didn't want to trade with the Jets for a 10th and a 5th. Not only that, I think from the, the rumors I was hearing, too, that the 49ers the in the were asking for extra from the Packers for two reasons, one of which is their direct competition if they're both playoff teams, and two, with Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur being close, like they have their own like little coaching rivalry, too, it was going to take a lot more for Green Bay than any other team. So Debo Samuel's out of the question, really, for them at that point, and they would have had to do it with these two first-round picks or even a first and a second if they were to do it, and they would have to overpay for it. Now they might have to overpay for somebody else if there's any receivers left. I think Tennessee was losers too in the first round. Losing AJ Brown is yeah. a significant loss. Uh, you saw what Vrabel's face was when uh, they traded AJ Brown away. I don't think he was very happy, but he had the Tennessee Titans were not willing to give AJ Brown twenty five million a year. It does hurt their cap. It hurts uh, obviously moving forward, and they're paying uh, Ryan Tannehill a lot of money yeah. as a starting quarterback. So. I, I understand that Vrabel wouldn't be happy trading away arguably one of the top five, top six wide receivers in the NFL. But again, A.J. Brown was not healthy last year, and, and now he's getting a $25 million from the, the Philadelphia Eagles, which, by the way, needed that wide receiver, needed to add that piece, especially when they wanted to compete with the Cowboys for the division next year. Um, as far as Tyron Matthews going to the Saints, and it came out right after the draft, which I told you was going to happen. Right after the draft, we're going to hear that Tyron Matthews was going to go somewhere. And I was very surprised because I was hearing that it was the Rams and everybody else. But uh, in the last 48 hours, 72, 48 hours, it really started to ring all over social media that it was going to be uh, the Saints. He's going back home. Uh, he played for LSU all those years in college. And uh, I think he would rather go over there and play with a very good defense, a defense, uh, a defensive style he knows. And, and really, I, I do still think the Saints could compete 
in the NFC. The NFC is very weak. Absolutely. So their defense is still going to be above a lot of the defenses in the NFC. And they just got to worry about the quarterback position. Who's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward next year? If they figure that out, I still think they're going to be pretty good. They still have Thomas there. They added a wide receiver. I, I mean, they, they're, they're going to be high-flying, and they have arguably one of the best running backs in the league. So I, I expect it. Now, obviously, they don't have their coach there anymore, and uh, a lot of people think that that's going to affect them. I don't know about that. There's too much talent yeah. on that same team. So giving him $33 million, $18 million guaranteed to arguably – the best safety in the NFL, and adding to that secondary, that's a that's a really good add, add, add on piece for the Saints. Yeah, they're, they're making it one of the strength of their team too. Now with the secondary, we were talking about the front seven always being very good, with the secondary being solid, but needing that extra depth. And now they've accumulated that with the draft picks that they've had the last couple of years. Now bringing in the Honey Badger, who can play all all over the place. They essentially replaced one Marcus with the other in the secondary, which I guess it's a wash, but you, nevertheless, that's becoming a strength of their team. They're going to need it to be because their offense has a lot of question marks and who knows if anything's going to happen with Michael Thomas and also Alvin Kamara who had that incident in the offseason. It seems like Michael Thomas is going to be there. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Which is a good sign for them too because because Chris Olave is not going to have to try to emerge into the number one wide receiver right away. Michael Thomas could get that attention and then have him ease into it. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, yesterday, uh, 24 hours ago, there were stories coming out that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be suspended for six games for PEDs. I was very surprised when I heard that. DeAndre Hopkins has been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL for the last five to six years. Now, I don't know if he's been taking PEDs all this time, but uh, maybe he was taking PEDs to heal from last year. He wasn't 100% healthy. He was trying to get back on on the field. Uh, But it makes sense now why Arizona was, was going to make a trade the way they did with the Baltimore Ravens to add Marquise Brown. Now, I, I'm telling you right now, Lamar Jackson was not happy, happy especially when he, ad, he added that post do, uh, during the, the draft on, on twi- Twitter and, and saying, uh, what the you-know-what, and he wasn't very happy with that, but uh, Marquise Brown goes to Arizona, plays with his best friend, Kyler Murray. Uh, does that keep Kyler Murray there? Does that make Kyler Murray happy? No, he wants his money. But adding his best friend, a player that he played with in college, I think that makes him very, very happy. Now the question is, now you add Marquise Brown, do you trade DeAndre Hopkins with these PAD uh, speculations and obviously uh, what has come out with the, you know, where this organization is now moving forward to? Maybe they trade DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins does get traded to the Green Bay Packers. You're not going to get a first-round draft pick for him with this. Uh, Maybe a second and a a third. I could see Green Bay doing that. They'll have to wait six games, but uh, I still think Aaron Aaron Rodgers could hold the fort for those six games and then add DeAndre Hopkins to an offense that desperately needs a star wide receiver. Is it possible that they trade him? Absolutely. I still wouldn't do it, though, because every other receiver on that team is a a small speed-oriented type. Rondell Moore, one of the more undersized first, second round picks. It's the money seen. thing. Right. No, that's understandable. Then you have Hollywood Brown who's, the, uh, who's taller, but is that same kind of thing. You, all these guys are really just those quicker type guys, perfect for the air raid offense, but Cliff Kingsbury hasn't exactly used them right either. So DeAndre Hopkins, they kind of need is that other reliable guy. They draft Trey McBride as another big target to help out, but still, he's going to be used more as a tight end. So you really need that other big bodied receiver. And right now, DeAndre Hopkins, yes, he is dealing with injuries, but the, yeah, he's going to he, he's not, he's not going to garner the trade value right now that Arizona's going to want, so I think it's better hanging on him. 631-672-3108 is the number you guys can call. 
Um, at the top of the hour, I would say about 10.15, we'll be talking to our draft panel with Lance, Lance Sanderson, uh, Mile High Huddle, will be joining us. Travis May from Rotovitz, he's going to be joining us. John Vogel, Football Sapien, and Ray Cotto, all 22, all draft expertise, experts when it comes to the draft and, and their thoughts on what happened in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round and who won, who are the winners, and who are the losers of the draft. So we will talk more football uh, moving forward in this show. But I, I want to get into a little bit of baseball because uh, the Yankees have been playing great baseball, sensational baseball for the last, I would say, two weeks. And it's not just Anthony Rizzo anymore. It's Aaron Judge, who has nine home runs, hitting another one tonight, as I think 21 ribbies. You have, obviously, Anthony Rizzo. DJ LeMay is hitting almost 330. Glaber Torres is starting to hit. Donaldson's starting to hit. This whole roster is starting to hit. Even Joey Gallo is hitting. And they're, they're on their way of possibly winning their 11th game in a row. They're the hottest team in baseball right now, and they have the best record in baseball, where two weeks ago they were batting 174 in men in scoring position. So if you're a Yankee fan right now, you should be very excited. And if you're an Aaron Judge fan, well, you're the way he's playing right now, he's an MVP candidate, and he's going to make himself a lot of money in the offseason. He's going to make more than $215 million, which probably means he's not going to be a Yankee. Yeah, John says Yankees pitching has impressed me more than hitting. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they have yeah. the best bullpen in baseball. They jumped uh, the uh, – who, who was the number one team? I think it was the Padres. It was the Padres. They jumped the Padres over the weekend. Their ERA and whip is the best in baseball right now. They have the best defense in all of baseball by a long shot. Okay, so a team that was one of the worst defenses in the league last year, right. I think they were ranked like 28th or 29th mm-hmm. to the best in baseball. That says a lot about what the – you know – the bad Brian Cashman, all the Yankee fans saying, <laughs> trade, get rid of Brian Cashman. He's done his, he's gone farther, he's gone further, uh, further as a, as a GM of this organization. Get rid of him. They're absolutely wrong about Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman is still capable of running this team and running this organization. So anybody that thinks that Brian Cashman can't do this job is an idiot. Uh, John says, yeah, Dodgers have better defense. No, we were, we were just comparing the the leap of what the Yankees made from last year to this year with the team defense. Really, I think Glaber Torres had that one game with two errors in the first week of the season. But after that, they've been really fluent even in the infield as well. They have the best infield in ba- defensive, <laughs> defensive infield in baseball right now. They're playing that good. The last three weeks, they have one error in three weeks. Mm-hmm. That tells you how good their defense has been. Even their catching position, which has been pro- really been a problem offensively, has not been a problem defensively. They've been as good as any catching duo in, in all of baseball. So to say anything about the Yankees, there's nothing to say bad about the Yankees. Their bullpen's pitching well. Their rotation is pitching well. Everybody thought Luis Savarino wasn't going to be a great pitcher this year. He was gonna f- he's, it's going to take him a little while to figure out and get his feet wet. Well, it hasn't happened. He's, his first four or five games, his ERA is still in the threes, and, and his, his whip is, under, is in, in the ones. He's playing great baseball right now. And then... Garrett Cole, who started off really slow and really bad in his last two starts, he hasn't given up a run. And we could go up and down each roster right now uh, with the Yankees and the Blue Jays, which they're playing right now in this series. They're, they, they, these are the two best teams in the American League. Mm-hmm. 
So they're going to be playing all year round, 16, 20 games grueling all season long to decide who's going to win the American League East and really who's going to be the favorites of coming out of the American League. John says, so that letter about the Yankees of a few years back fired the guys up this year, LOL. I, it wouldn't yeah, for me. that way. And a lot of people that were putting the Yankees down, a.k.a. Jeff from Tampa and Snug and all these other people that <laughs> the hate Red the Sox Yankees. Fans. It doesn't matter. Everybody was putting the Yankees down that this team is not going to be good this year and that Brian Cashman shouldn't have brought Aaron Boone back. I would love to hear I would love to hear Tyler Harrison talk crap about this team right now. I don't know how you could discredit Aaron Boone right now. Right now, Aaron Boone is the manager of the year, okay? I know it's still early, right. but he might not win it anyways because a lot of Yankees don't win those awards. But nevertheless, I mean, they have an MV- two MVP candidates right now in Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge. I mean, John Carlos Stanton's hitting the ball very well. I think he has 14 RBIs, 15 RBIs. They have, I think, four or five players hitting in the double digits in RBIs already this year. And on base percentage, too. They're insane OPS as well. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. If you're a Yankee fan, you cannot right now sit here today and say, Oh my God! I hate I, I hate to, the fact that the Yankees are not good here and bad and and bad over there and good over here and bad over there. Right now, the Yankees are good in every position and every place of the game. They are stealing bases, they're bunting the ball, they're hitting for average, they're hitting power, and they're a good defensive team. That's what that's what tells you right now where the Yankees are going. Now, if they continue doing what they are doing right now, the Yankees are going to win the American League East. I don't. The Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are still better than what they are. Okay, sure. they're they're not as bad as they are right now with their record. When Paxton comes back and Sale comes back, this is a better and and obviously uh, Martinez is hurt right now. This lineup isn't one hundred percent healthy. When the Red Sox figure things out, they're going to be there. With the the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Yankees. But the Yankees are right now pulling away from those teams, from the Rays, and obviously from the Red Sox, which that's what happened to the Yankees last year. They had to play catch up last year when they they were like ten or four t- ten or twelve games behind early in the right. season. The the Yankees right now are doing what the opposite of what they did last year in the beginning of the season. That's a good sign if you're a Yankee fan. That's a good sign for this organization and where this organization is going with their strengths and their weaknesses, which there are no weaknesses right now right. with the Yankees. Yeah, I think they were below 500 or at 500 at the All-Star break, too, and had a really big turnaround, too. As far as the Mets are concerned, the Mets are the second-best team in baseball. And if you're a Mets fan and you're sitting here right now today, you should be very excited. Now, did I think the Mets and this rotation was going to be as good as they are right now, uh, being that Jacob DeGrom is not in the rotation? No, not at all. McGill has played very well. I, I am so impressed with the young kid. Bassett has been fin- sensational. Uh, obviously, Max Scherzer, yes, Josh. I'm not going to put him down right now. Uh, it, do I think Max Scherzer was a mistake? I think they paid him too much money. I do. But if he stays healthy for the next three years and he pitches as well as he's pitching right now for the Mets, no. I I think as a Mets fan, you'd take that. But right now, they're hitting. They're doing everything right. Even their bullpen, which I think is the weakest part of their team, the weakest link of their team, has been great. Now, Buck Showalter getting suspended for one game is ridiculous. I, I think baseball needs to quit it with this. They really do. 
with the suspending this guy and suspending that guy because, uh, you know, the rules and all this other stuff, it, it, it ruins the game, okay? I love the fighting in baseball. I love it. I, it makes the game more interesting, to, and, 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 and it doesn't change the way the game has moved over the years. But with these new rule changes, it, it affects the game. Now, I, I, again, I don't, like, I, I don't like the shifting in baseball. We know. <laughs> Obviously, it's been around forever. I think that's a rule that, that I agree with, taking that out. But some of the rules over the last couple of years, even going to extra innings and having a, having a player start on second base, they took that out finally. I, last year, that was horrible. That cost the Yankees a lot last year in certain games. And the Mets. So, and a lot of other teams. I know that's what Jeff's going to say. It happened to everybody. But right now, if you're a Yankees and Mets fan, you should be excited. When was the last time the Yankees and the Mets were the two best teams in baseball? Uh, honestly, the Yankees have. Probably but, 06, I would imagine. But yeah. the Mets, the Mets have not been, I mean... The Mets have been a good baseball team. They usually, it's every five years. They have their random years. year, but they're never, they've never been like even the top team in baseball. Like usually, usually when they do well, they come out of nowhere. And whenever they have high expectations, like 2008 or something like that, they completely flop. Or even last year too, they completely flop. And the, I think the last time both of them won their division the same year was 2006. And I also saw something on Twitter. The last time, both New York teams and both L.A. teams were in first place ever in, front, in Angel League history. Well, that's, a, that's something to talk about, too, because you talk about the two best cities or the biggest cities in the country, right. the California teams. And, well, there are more California teams, but the two biggest teams in California are the Angels and, obviously, the Dodgers. And here in New York, there's only two New York teams. You have the Yankees and the Mets. So that is surprising, but... The fact that the Yankees and the Mets are at the top of their their conferences is sensational. That's good for New York sports, especially when New York sports has been horrible. It has been horrible, really, for the last, I, I would say, 15 years. I, I know 2011 Giants won a Super Bowl and the 2009 Yankees won the World Series. But look at look at how bad these teams have been. And I'm not talking about just baseball, basketball, hockey. Football. It's been horrible. New York sports has been just absolutely disgraceful. So right now you have the Mets and the Yankees playing well. The Jets and the Giants drafted very well. The, 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 the Rangers are in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, the Brooklyn Nets were in the playoffs until they got were. swept. <laughs> were. I mean, that, that has a lot to do with Kyrie Irving opening his mouth and attacking people all over Twitter. That's funny, too, by the way. <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Classic that's Kyrie a, Irving. That, that, we'll talk about that Thursday, by the way. Yeah. Kyrie Irving is a joke, okay? And I love the guy. He, he played for Duke. And I, I want to say some funny and, and, and nice things about this guy. But there's nothing but he's nothing but a comedy show. That guy, he's, it's a joke. He, everything that comes out of that guy's mouth is is. I'd rather throw up than listen to Kyrie Irving. Okay, <laughs> he, it's it's. I'd rather sit on a toilet bowl and take a dump than listen to Kyrie Irving. Okay, it just it, he's a disgrace. And and the fact that the Brooklyn Nets would want to extend him three years, they're idiots. All right, I I trade him in the off season, sign him and trade him. Get something back from him. Trade him for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I know the Knicks want him, but trade him for Donovan Mitchell. He's horrible, man. He's just, he just, he doesn't shut up. He's a great player. He just doesn't shut up. 
We're waiting for two more guys on our mm-hmm. panel. When our the, the two other guys, are, who are we waiting for? Travis we're wait, May? We're waiting for Travis and Ray. <laughs> Once Ray and Travis comes on, we'll go to a break and we'll have them on. But uh, to get back to get back into baseball, I, I mean, it, baseball's fun, man. And, and, and right now, there's so many teams that you can watch and, and, and cheer for. The St. Louis uh, Cardinals are a good baseball team. The Milwaukee uh, Brewers are a good baseball team. And right now... Baseball is where you want it to be right now. It's fun. It's energizing right now. It's early. But the Yankees, even Minnesota, who would have thought that the Minnesota Twins would be 14-9 right now? And by the way, Gary Sanchez is actually hitting the ball. <laughs> Their offense is lethal this past year. I think they either took two out of three or three out of four against the against the Rays. <laughs> and they blew them out in two of those games. Chicago White Sox aren't playing well. They're banged up. They're really banged up right now. That doesn't matter. They they're too talented on the bench. They should not be nine and thirteen. Okay? I don't want to hear they're banged up. The Yankees were banged up last year, that's and the right. Yankees still make the playoffs and still won ninety games. That's that's an excuse. The Chicago White Sox have one of the greatest managers in baseball history, Antonio La Russa there. You have one of the best farm systems in baseball. You have one of the best rosters in baseball. And and, and the pitching staff isn't too shabby either, even though they lost some pitchers in the offseason. Okay? The LA Angels are 15-10. I expected them to be good. If Mike Trout stays healthy, this team's going to be good. They're fun to watch. They're fun, and, and Rendon's actually healthy. Mike Trout's healthy. And I, I think if there's any team where jo- the Aaron Judge goes to in the offseason, I think it's the Angels. Mm-hmm. I think that that's where he's from. He's from L.A. He, he grew up right by, uh, um, well, I guess you could say. Orange County. Orange County Anaheim over there. Area, yeah, yeah, over there. So I, I don't think he was an Angel fan. I heard he was a Red Sox fan. That's another team that right. you have to be you mentioned about. that. You mentioned that first. <laughs> like, don't be surprised if he sticks it to the Yankees and goes with the Red Sox. Absolutely. But Milwaukee, St. Louis, the Dodgers, San Diego. Baseball's fun to watch right now. It really is. Now, because uh, we're going to talk a lot, really the rest of the show is football. Uh, to finish up, the NBA playoffs. And we'll talk a little NHL playoffs, too, at the end of the show. The NBA playoffs, okay? We just mentioned Kyrie Irving. We'll, we'll, I'll have a whole segment on Kyrie Irving a little bit later uh, this week because uh, Kyrie is an idiot. <laughs> but right now, uh, obviously, uh, the Celtics won tonight, knocked off Milwaukee, tied the series 1-1, uh, completely dis- destroyed Milwaukee in game number two. Uh, and, and it's just, it wasn't even close. But... I expect this series to go seven. I told everybody if it goes seven, I, I, I my bet is on Milwaukee. If it goes six games and and the Celtics are in the league going into the sixth game, I think the Celtics win. The Celtics have more depth, to me, and and right now, I I do believe the better coach is Milwaukee yes. because he's the obviously the championship coach and he's 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 been there for a little bit longer than obviously the Celtic coach, but this. It, it's going to be fun. The second round is always the fun rounds because, obviously, whoever wins the second round is going to go to the the uh, the uh, NBA, the Western Conference Championship, and the Eastern Conference Championship. And Golden State right now, it's not going to be easy for Golden State. And I don't want to hear about Draymond Green, okay, getting thrown out for a flagrant two. I don't care if it wasn't a flagrant two. The man gets away with everything. How many people has he stepped on? And I'm talking about it, the crotches, okay? Yes. I mean, the guy likes to put his foot where somewhere, somewhere the sun doesn't shine, okay? How many times has he had his foot up somebody's crotch? I guess, okay? I guess who's on the Grizzlies bench now? Steven Adams. Maybe he's looking for some revenge. Uh, who cares? I mean, seriously. <laughs> no, he barely plays. It's just funny to I think. expect this series to go six or seven. 
I, I do. I don't think Golden State is gonna it's gonna go it's gonna do what they did in round number one against the Nuggets. I think Memphis is a good defensive team. They're an acrobatic team. I think John Moran is the best guard in this series. Yes, I think he's the best guard in this series. They defended him very well in game number one. But are they going to be able to do that every single game? I don't know if they're going to. So I I, I like Memphis. And I think Memphis, if they can keep this series close, they can win it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just had a couple. I think they had just one bad drought in the fourth quarter that really hindered them at the start of the fourth quarter, and that was really it. Beyond that, they really outplayed the Warriors and played a more complete game. It just, just Jordan Poole and, and Steph Curry just did their thing. But mainly Jordan Poole, that second half was lethal. And then there's Phoenix, who I, I was I was so surprised. By the way, Luka Doncic did everything to keep his team in the game. He really he was fantastic, fun to watch. Forty six points in game number one, uh, but. Chris Paul, it was, he was too much. I mean, and this team, the depth that Phoenix has right now in this series. And as long as Devin Booker can somehow fill in here and there and play and be a piece on it, he doesn't have to score 30 points. He just right. needs to be on the court and, and, and draw double teams. It's going to help Phoenix out. It's going to open up the court for a guy like Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and, and some of the players that they have right now. And they're an acrobatic team. They're fun to watch. I expect it to be Phoenix and Golden State in the Western Conference Championship. But don't count Memphis out. And don't count Dallas out either. Because Dallas, you saw, if Luka Doncic has that game and they get offense from Brunson, uh, if Brunson could score 20, 25, 30 points in a game, or uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. can score 15, 20 points in a game. They get offense in different sides um, of the offensive side of the ball. I I think that Dallas could absolutely compete with Phoenix. I don't know if they're going to win because they don't play enough defense. And they're going to have to keep Phoenix under 105. If they don't do that, they're not going to win. That was actually the big difference in game one, though, too, is Jalen Brunson had his first game of the playoffs where he was uncharacteristically off for a while, too, and really struggled, especially at the start of the game, too. Had one good stretch in the third quarter, but it was really only Luka Doncic at 45 points, and I think their next highest score at 19. So that's going to make it hard. I think they only had had one other double-digit score, whereas the Suns, I think, got six. So that's not going to do well. And, yes, Miami has a deep bench, John. Absolutely. But guess what? You know why this is going to be an easy series? Because James Harden's playing for Philadelphia. (laughs) That's why. James Harden is the worst playoff player I've ever seen. He is a great regular season player. I I mean, I looked at... Uh, the guards that have won it offensively, uh, the, uh, the uh, what is it, Offensive Player of the Year yeah. award. I, James Harden won it five years in a row. But if you look how many times he's won a playoff series, how many how many playoff series do you think James Harden's won? Probably four and he, or five, and he I, he was never the best player. He's in any won one of more them. scoring titles than playoff series. <laughs> that tells you wow. what James Harden is in the playoffs, and without Joel Embiid. They don't have a chance against Miami. Not a chance. Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, this team. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Tyra, Ty, uh, Tyler, Tyler Hero, who won the uh, sixth man of the year. A fantastic player. Uh, deserves it. He was the best sixth man off the bench all season long. Just fun, fun, fun to watch. And I think Miami sweeps Philadelphia. I think they sweep them. I can say it. It just. I think Miami is going to have the easiest way to the NBA championship because whoever comes out in the Milwaukee-Boston series, Milwaukee right now is struggling with health. Middleton is out for this series. Boston, they're not struggling with, uh, obviously, injuries. I don't trust Jalen Brown, you know, throughout this, uh, throughout the playoffs. Even though Jalen Brown's played well, I don't trust him because 
He hasn't been a good playoff player. Now, obviously, we know Tatum has. We we know that Marcus Smart is Defensive Player of the Year. I love what they have. I love their bench. And I know Jeff's going to kill me or chop me up in pieces. Can't stand me because he's a Boston Celtic fan and he thinks I'm out of my mind. But I, I, I just... I don't think Milwaukee or Boston has enough to beat Miami right now. Miami is, they're 100% healthy now, now, right now. Is Jimmy Butler 100%? No, but who is? I mean, is the Greek freak? Is Giannis, is Giannis um, healthy 100%? No. Probably not. Is Tatum 100% healthy? No. So going into that series, whoever wins that series, it's, if it goes six or seven games, if Miami gets out in four games, five games, it, it, it gives them time to heal. It gives Jimmy Butler time to heal. So I I think it's Miami, Phoenix, or Golden State that's going to go. And I think that's going to be a fun NBA championship to watch, to watch Golden State or Phoenix play Miami. I, I And by the way, shout out to Pat Riley, who to me is the best GM right now in professional basketball. For, for a guy that had, at one point, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, and Ray Allen and that team, Haslam, and, and, and the championships that they won, and everybody thought that it was going to take a while to rebuild this right. team. He brings in Jimmy Butler. He brings in all these players. He drafts right. He adds Tyro, Ty, Tyler Hero and some of the pieces that they added. And look at what this team is now four or five years later. They're a championship competitive team, and he's done everything right. Mm. So shout out to Pat Riley, who I think is the best GM in professional basketball. He might be in like every sport, <laughs> the way he's rebuilt this team and really just drafted well. Uh, Carl says Western Conference Finals for the Warriors, Jordan Poole. And uh, John says uh, called the Celtics Warriors Finals, but Suns do look good dude dangerous as well and now we have all four of our panelists have arrived so when we come back ladies and gentlemen we're going to get into the nfl draft with our experts and i wanted to get these panel this panel together and i want to see some arguing and their thoughts of what happened in the nfl draft their winners their losers and their i don't know naysayers uh, A.K.A. the Cowboys. <laughs> oh, we, Ray's a Cowboys fan. He's not gonna. He's not, he's not gonna like that. When we come back, we'll be talking to Lance Sanderson, Travis May, John Vogel, and Ray Cotto here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Mark. My co-host, Speedy PD. You can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, I will say this. I knew that this show was going to be mainly the NFL draft, and I wanted, after the draft, and I told Speedy before the draft, after the draft, I want to get a panel of experts to come on. They all have their own thoughts. They're all from the different parts of the country, so why not? So Speedy put a panel together, and now we have them on. We are now talking to Lance Sanderson from Mile High Huddle, Travis May from Roto, uh, Viz, John Vogel from Football Sapien, and Ray Cotto from All 22. What is going on, boys? Evening. Glad to be here. How are we doing? Yeah. Well, uh, what, how are we doing? Well, 
as a Jet fan, I, I'm not jumping off a bridge today. So that's a good sign. I mean, uh, any Jet fans out there, uh, the whole segment, the whole first segment, really half an hour of the show. If you're a Jet fan, you should be happy for what Joe Douglas did on, uh, in, on uh, round number one. And really throughout the draft, moving up for Brees Hall, adding Clems, uh, Clem, uh, Clemens and everybody. What are you trying to do over there? Are you, are you itching yourself? Or are you ready to get in? What are you no, doing? no, no. I was just clicking. Well, something. you put your hand up, so I thought you had to say something. But anyways, so uh, what I want to do is I want to go through the first round. We're going to go f- from player to player, and I want to know each and every one of your thoughts in the first round. And then after the first round on your thoughts of the first round and what happened in the first round, we'll go throughout the draft, you know, increments. So because we're not going to go from second, third, fourth. Uh, and your thoughts on winners and losers and, and really the main losers of this year's draft. So <laughs> at number one. Walker goes one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Lance, let's hear your opinion first. What did you think about Walker going to the Jaguars? Well, I thought it was a reach, quite honestly. The the best player in this draft was Kyle Hamilton, and everybody knows that a safety is not going to go number one overall. Um, and then there's Aiden Hutchinson as well. Like, why are you not taking the best pass rusher in this class? I mean, he's a great edge defender. He's a great run defender, got really good length. Uh, going Trevon Walker without all of the, the productivity, and even the productivity that he did have was was false productivity, in my opinion. I mean, 49% of his, uh, his sacks over the, the course of his career were from single coverage or from covered sacks alone like he just is not that that kind of a player now I do like the pick because I mean if you're going to go and get your guy go and get your guy versatile he can play it inside just a little bit you slide him down inside to the five technique he likes to play off the edge with his hand in in the dirt but uh, I mean there's a lot of different ways that you can go with a Trevon Walker that it it makes a little bit of sense however I mean to, to me he was a top 10 player but he's not the top one player John what did you think about Aiden Hutchinson going number two to the Lions Perfect scheme fit. Uh, exactly what Dan Campbell wants in a player. If you remember last year when the Lions, you know, hired Dan Campbell in his first cut press conference, he talked about we're going to go out there and we're going to bite some kneecaps off, you know, and that's Aiden Hutchinson. He's a big hustle player. But to kind of go to piggyback a little bit off of Lance, um, I don't think Aiden would have worked very well in Jacksonville because he's more of a 3-4 rush edge. You want to stand him up and run him after the passer. And Doug Peterson's going to be running more of a four-man front, which is going to call for two traditional defensive ends. I would have gone Kayvon Thibodeau there, um, but they thought that Trayvon was better. Trayvon's very good with his lower and upper body uh, being synced together so that if he has one of those in the right spot, he can, he can you know, use the other to get in and make a play. Um, so I like that. But, you know, no, going back to Aiden, awesome pick for them. It's, it couldn't be a better story. And uh, he's going to be very productive for them, I think. Travis, what did you think about Derek Stingley? A lot of people were interested to see what the Texans were going to do in round number one at number three. Some people thought, uh, and there were stories coming out with Sauce, maybe going after an offensive lineman uh, lineman like uh, Iquanu. What did you think when you heard Derek Stingley's name come up? It's not a surprise. I mean, we saw a lot of the early first round be high pedigree, top tier athletes. And Derek Stingley, uh, again, no surprise. Coming out of high school, he was like the top five player in the entire country in his class. And uh, as a true freshman, just dominated uh, in the SEC, looking like one of the best corners in the nation at age 18. Uh, And he struggled with health uh, this last year and the year before even. And so maybe there's some questions in the short term about uh, maybe even long term with his health. But 
the skill set has always been there. I mean, forever. I mean, dating back to 77 days. I mean, like we've known Derek Stingley was going to go pro. I mean, he could have gone pro, honestly, um, as a wide receiver, had he gone that route at LSU as well. So he's just a freak athlete. And if you want to get the best upside kind of corner in a, a pretty good corner class, uh, Derek Stingley was the pick. So that was not a surprise for me. I know you like to see a player trending up rather than trending down. Uh, but I have no doubts when it comes to Derek Stingley's talent. As everybody knows, we're talking to our draft panel, Lance Sanders, Sanderson from Mile High Huddle, Travis May from Roto Viz, John Vogel from Football Sapien, and Ray Cotto from All-22. Ray, what did you think about the Jets? Uh, obviously, Roger Goodell going up there and using Sauce's name. I mean, it's Ahmed uh, Garner, I was very surprised he, he, he read out his uh, name, Sauce. What did you think about Sauce going to the New York Jets at number four? Yeah, I think really the weakest spot on the Jets roster heading into the draft night was for sure the secondary. I think it was an easy uh, selection to really shore that up. Um, you know, it's definitely the safer option in relation to uh, Derek Stingley. Uh, I do think Stingley has that upside, right? You see, um, you know, there, there's questions about his foot, whereas Gardner is definitely more steady. He's got the length you're looking for, um, you know, that quiet confidence about him, you know, has that streak of not giving up a touchdown. Um, you know, if you're facing Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle twice a year, I'm not sure that's going to last for another three years. But, um, you know, definitely just a really solid, steady option and just a, was with a gaping hole for the, for the Jets to really fill. So, um, you know, you definitely can't hate the process or the pick there. Uh, makes a ton of sense. And, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of, hey, it makes sense. Don't screw it up. And, um, you know, I think, I think they did the right thing there. Lance, what are your thoughts? Obviously, the Giants going at five. A lot of people thought they were going offensive line at five. There were stories coming out that they were very interested in Charles Cross. They had him over there in, uh, you know, MetLife Stadium. Uh, they were working him out as a right tackle and left tackle. But uh, it fell right, and, and Kayvon Thibodeau was sitting there. What were your thoughts, them going with a, a pass rusher at, at five and not an offensive lineman? So I think that they actually played the board right here because the offensive linemen were still falling. You didn't get a Kwana, You didn't get Neil. You didn't get a Charles Cross at the number three overall pick. So you knew that one of those three players was still going to get to you at the number seven overall pick. So to go and get who was arguably the, the best pass rusher in this class, a, a freak athlete, uh, the length, the, the strength, the ability to play against the run, obviously the bend and the athleticism is to get him at five. It's a smart move there because you don't know what the, the Panthers are going to do at numbers at number six overall. So to get Kayvon and then to wait for Neil to fall to you at number seven, that to me was a great move. But it, it, being that Aquana was still on the board, a lot of people thought he was a top three pick. Aquana was the best offensive lineman going into this draft. I mean, Evan Neal five months ago was, but his knee problems, there were stories coming out two weeks ago that his knees aren't 100% healthy. They don't know uh, where he's going to be going into the season. But Aquana was sitting there at five. Why don't you draft Aquana and take a chance? Did, you, did anybody think Kayvon Thibodeau was going to be – somebody was going to trade up for Kayvon Thibodeau? I would have went Aquana number five and then waited for, uh, obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau at number seven. Then you would have gotten the best offensive lineman and arguably the second or third best pass rusher in this year's draft. I guess the biggest thing to me would be the uh, the fit. Where do you play Quanu? Is, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Uh, I think that he was the best tackle in this class, and I would have I would have put him uh, at the right side for sure. And then maybe take another look at Mackay Beckton on the left side, or 
excuse me, I've got the wrong team here. Thomas. Uh, yeah. Regardless, uh, uh, Andrew Thomas, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so I, right. I'm going to take a look and look there. But uh, is it the, the scheme fit there? And what do you view Kayvon Thibodeau? What is the pass rush like in uh, – in uh in, in with the giants like they they needed to have that pass rusher and f- to have somebody trade up maybe uh the atlanta falcons were in a potential trade-up scenario there uh who knows about the new orleans saints at that particular point wh- whether they want to come and get an edge rusher uh like there, there's a, a lot of different variables that go into play there and to get that be- that next best edge rusher off the board and not risk him falling to n- uh to number seven like that was the right move uh john uh, what were your were you surprised that uh, Ikema Aquano went uh, to number number six to the Carolina Panthers? By the way, when he got his name called up, he didn't look very happy that it was going to Carolina. I mean, a lot of people said he wasn't. He didn't look happy. Uh, I, maybe I was just reading a, a different kind of face. I, I don't know, but he didn't look happy when he went up there uh, with the Carolina Panthers hat. What did you? What were your thoughts that Carolina went with arguably the best uh, offensive lineman in this year's draft? And uh, were you surprised that he uh, wasn't happy going to Carolina? Well, was it so much that he wasn't happy, or was he all business? You know that that's kind <laughs> I think of it was more that because you know is he yeah. he's very much a very all business kind of guy, mm-hmm. and you know you get around guys like him and Jalen Hurts is like this, you know, and and you know players like that where they're just so focused on business and getting it done that they don't share joy. You know, if he was a quarterback and he was getting interviewed after games. You know, he could have had the greatest game in the world and he still would have been beating himself up over his mistakes. That's who he is. I think Carolina got it right. You know, like that you didn't reach for the quarterback, which was a good thing because there was no point in taking a quarterback at six. There's no upgrade. At least it was obvious over Sam Darnold in this class. Take the offensive tackle, build that up. And he can, you know, people talk about him having some versatility. I guess I could see that a little bit. He doesn't have much experience playing on the right side. Uh, so I think he's going to play on the left. But um, no, get it right. You know, build the trenches. That's where you could, you're going to win football games. Travis, I, I see that you want to piggyback on this one. What, what did you think? <laughs> well, Icky's actually from Charlotte, so it was his team. So he definitely wasn't disappointed to go there. I think uh, – I can't remember where it was. Uh, he was even talking about being interested in going to uh, the Panthers. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's what it is at all. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you with the uh, – he's just all business. Like, he just wants to take it in. And uh, I, I don't even know how I would react. Like, when I when – if you think about it, like your name's officially called, you're in Las Vegas, you're dressed nicer than you have been in your entire life. And uh, I'm not sure how I would react in that moment. So uh, I, I don't but, want my offensive you know, tackle to look Keep happy. it a cool head. <laughs> yeah. Let him look mean. That, that's you, you gotta, yeah. I mean, you got you to look cool, right? I mean, like, you, you know, the cameras are on you. Uh, you you got to look look like you, you've been there before, even though you definitely haven't. <laughs> Ray, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't want your team's offensive tackles to look happy. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But uh, I don't know if we want to get there now or later. But, um, you know, he's still a young pup. And uh, Tyron Smith, uh, you know, probably knows a thing or two. He'll probably show him it while he's still a young and in the league. So uh, we'll get there. A tra- I want to piggyback on Kwana really fast. Absolutely. Like you're, you're talking about one of the most intelligent players in the, in the class. I, he had, he had college uh, scholarship offers to 
Harvard and Yale and also to like Stanford. Like this guy is an incredibly intelligent player. He knows what the business of football is. And for, for him to go out there and just be stone cold sober about being drafted in, in the top five of the, the top six, I guess, in the NFL draft, like for him, that's a, that's a big deal. Like he understands we have to be all business or all professional. Like that doesn't surprise me for him to do that. So Travis, what did you think? Evan Neal falling to the Giants at number seven. A lot of people were very surprised that he was sitting there at seven. Maybe the story is coming out uh, the last last two weeks saying that his knees aren't 100%. That that's why he lost all that weight. So what were your thoughts of Evan Neal going to the Giants at number seven? Uh, I think that was the, the no-brainer pick once you got that far with Evan Neal. Uh, I mean, if you want to nitpick and, and pick apart like a few reps against LSU, a few reps against Georgia, and I think some people knocked him even like his, against uh, Miami in week one. It almost looked like he was playing lazy or something, a couple a couple snaps, whatever. I, I've heard some weird takes when it comes to Evan Neal. The truth is he's a monstrous human being who's 6'8", 340, and coming out of high school, he was like – he, he was listed at 360, but he was heavier. And so, like, like he was, he's just a, a freak of a, a human being who shouldn't even be able to move like he does. And so just from an upside play, uh, versatility play, strength play, uh, pedigree, everything, coming from the program that sends the most draft, <laughs> draft picks to the <laughs> NFL, um, it just it, it seemed like a no-brainer uh, going. And, and I'm, I am surprised he didn't go ahead of Icky. Uh, I know Icky, I mean, like, he's really good. Um, but I think even like coming into the process, he was like a three-star because, you know, he just doesn't look the part necessarily, but he's just a monster. So they're both incredible, but I was a little surprised that Evan Neal uh, went to seven. As everybody knows, we have our draft panel on with the Sports Lab Mounts. We're talking to Lance Sanderson from Mile High Huddle, Travis May from Roto uh, Viz, John Vogel from Football Sapien, and Ray Cotto from All 22. Mr. Ray, Drake London is the first wide receiver off the board. Not surprising. Uh, what were your thoughts of him going to the Atlanta Falcons? You know, the Falcons really go to the beat of their own drum usually uh, on draft night. I had Garrett Wilson as my top guy. Falcons really don't care what anyone else thinks whenever they draft, <laughs> whether it's just passing on CD and taking Terrell, and that seemed to actually be working out pretty well for them. Um, you know, they just had such a gaping hole at receiver, so many needs. I mean, I guess if he's their number one guy, go ahead and take him. I don't hate London. I think he separates better than he's given credit for and what people think based off of his size and, uh, and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, to me, I think Wilson was clearly my number one receiver. Um, but, uh, you know, go ahead and take London. I mean, I think they're going to, they're going to be pretty down for, for a while there until they really address quarterback position and really shore up that roster. It's going to take a couple years either way. So, um, you know, if they feel he has more upside or whatever the case may be, then go ahead and take it. There was no quarterback there that really made sense. So don't reach for one. Uh, if you have to just sort of ride it out with Mariota and then, you know, go ahead and do what you got to do. So, um, you know, not, not, not what I would have selected, but I, I don't hate it. And I don't hate them for kind of sticking to their guns like they usually do. <laughs> John, I think it was you when we had you on the show, you had some concerns with London. Uh, was, was that, was that the right move? Do you think? I, I'm right there with Ray that Garrett Wilson was the best wide receiver in this class. Um, I definitely had some concerns with London and it's not just, you know, the injury history and everything, but it's just more, everybody talks about him being a, a contested catch machine. I just didn't see that. Um, he was actually he caught under 50 percent of his contested targets while in college, especially this past year. And he had some issues with drops. I believe he dropped. It was like an eight percent rate 
uh, last year alone before he got hurt. So, yeah, he's putting up monster numbers, but he's a volume guy. You have to throw him the ball a lot. And he's great after the catch. I just didn't see a lot of the stuff that people were talking about with him. Yeah, I, 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 I had Garrett Wilson as my one, but I disagree in terms of the contested. Good, I like this. I like this. I like disagreeing. This he, is I mean, great. Yes. He, he had, seriously, depending on who's charting you believe, uh, everyone, uh, whether it's Pro Football Focus or Sports Info Solutions or any, anybody ESPN, minimum, at minimum, he had 17 contested catches last year in nine games, or sorry, in eight games. And he basically had double-digit targets in every single game because he was the best wide receiver in the nation uh, while he was actually healthy last year. Uh, he was unstoppable. They, was, they were not going to throw the ball to anybody else, and no one could stop him. And, and I love that. It was just hilarious trying to see you know teams try different uh, ways to stop him, whether it was bracket coverage, whether it was uh, punching essentially at the line and, and then just trying to get in his way. I mean, uh, there was no stopping London. So I, I still like Garrett Wilson a little bit more. Um, but man, uh, London definitely deserved to be an early first. London was uh, so wide receiver himself. London was so good. Even Clay Helton's coaching couldn't stop him. <laughs> yeah. Even Clay Helton's. Yeah. That, that offense and, and changing quarterbacks and everything. It was just, he was putting up with so much and yet still dominating 120 targets or so in eight games is just, uh, that's my, that's, that's insane. <laughs> Now, nobody was surprised that Charles Cross went to number nine, so there's really nothing to say over there. I, I really think Seattle was going offensive line or they were going to trade out of that pick. He was the best player on the board. They needed an offensive lineman, especially they have a Drew Locke over there. They needed an offensive lineman even if <laughs> even if Russell Wilson was there. They need an offensive lineman. It's something they have not built over the last couple of years, and that's why Russ wanted out. Uh, obviously with Seattle. So I'm not surprised with Charles. How about number 10, Lance, uh, the New York Jets? Uh, there were stories going out that they were going to trade uh, for Debo Samuels. It didn't work out. Uh, the Jets offered uh, really after the draft, I heard that the Jets were offering the 10th and a fifth round pick. They were not going with that. Uh, so they decided to go. And there were stories coming out that the Jets if there was a possibility, they were going to actually trade with Seattle to move up to get Garrett Wilson if somebody was going to try to trade in that spot for Garrett Wilson. What were your thoughts of the Jets drafting arguably the best wide receiver in this draft class, Garrett Wilson? So my first thing that I want to kind of push back on was I heard that it was a first and a third they were offering to Debo Samuel, like the, essentially the same package that the uh, the Titans got for uh, A.J. Brown. So that's interesting that you, you heard a first and a fifth. But uh, to get Garrett Wilson, a guy that can stretch the field vertically, he works really well over the middle of the field. You can line him up outside. You can line him up in the slot. Not the biggest guy. And there was a picture of the the first-round draft picks with, uh, with Sauce Gardner, with Jermaine Johnson, and with Garrett Wilson. And Garrett Wilson looks like a guy that you just brought off the street to, to take that picture like he's just a small little guy but he plays a lot bigger than that he's very physical he does a really good job creating separation to go get that number one wide receiver he was my number one wide receiver there and a guy that really fits in with what uh the Jets want to do uh vertically stretching the football down the field and then also with with Zach Wilson the ability to push the football down vertically that, that was that's a good pick for me and th their next pick we'll get to that here in a minute mm -hmm. Jermaine Johnson sliding I thought Jermaine Johnson was going to go at 10 for them to get him later and also still get Garrett Wilson. That's a huge, huge haul for the Jets. I was very impressed with, with what they were able to do. At number 11, what were you going to say? Steve? I was going to say, we got three out of four of you that think, uh, that think Garrett Wilson's the number one. Ray, are you going to finish off the sweep? 
No, he's my clear number. My clear number he one. He said he now, was the number yeah. one. Yep. All right, yeah, we got a clean yeah, sweep. Yeah, there you go. Now, I, you know, you, we could talk about uh, you know the next couple teams here trading up for a receiver who can't break any tackles, and another one who's you know who's coming off of an injury now. You know, ACLs aren't what they used to be, so I can almost understand that a bit more. But uh, uh, if we want to talk about the Saints and their whole process, sort of <laughs> uh, you know leading up to this, I mean. Talk about going to the beat of your own drum, I guess. I mean, you know, whatever they're thinking is what only they're thinking. Um, you know, I like a lot about Olave as far as his route running and things like that. He's silky smooth. He's got pretty good hands when he's not, you know, suffering from some concentration drops. But to have really no yards after catch threat, um, you know, and, and, and to give up so much for, for a guy like that when, you know, your defense is, is good but aging at some key spots – you don't have quarterbacks settled, at least, you know, I wouldn't call it settled, um, you know, for the long term. It's it's an interesting pick there for sure, or a thought process to say the least. So, um, you know, it's not so much, I mean, there's some issue with the player, but more so the, the process to get Olave more than anything else, too, is just uh, a bit peculiar to me anyway. At number 12, uh, at number 12 uh, Travis, uh, Minnesota was sitting there. Uh, it was going, there was two minutes left on the clock, and then all of a sudden this trade comes in, and they were, okay, the Lions are jumping up, they're drafting a quarterback. That's what everybody thought was going to happen. Uh, Jared Goff, I actually watched, uh, I was watching Jared Goff's uh, camera on his Twitter, and then after after the name got called, he, he was uh, sigh of relief. Uh, what were your thoughts of the Lions trading up with Minnesota to number 12 and drafting uh, a very talented wide receiver in Jamison Williams. Well, if you can't get Garrett Wilson and you can't get Chris Olave, you might as well get their backup, right? <laughs> so that's uh, that's who Jamison Williams was until the spring uh, of 2021. Uh, he was buried. Former top 100 recruit coming out of out of high school. Uh, I was really high on him in the process. I'm like a super nerd when it comes to college coverage and recruiting spaces. I mean, I'll mention it a lot, but he was a big deal coming out, and so it was really odd that he 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 was kept on the bench and essentially was maybe going to be their wide receiver four uh, last season had Jameson Williams decided to stay. And so going to Alabama and immediately showing up and uh, just dominating all of the work and uh, basically taking John Mechie's job, like John Mechie is a top 50 pick this year. And Jameson Williams shows up and like, by the way, I'm way better than you. I know you're still going to get, you're going to get a lot of targets, but I'm going to have the more efficient production and put up a almost 1600 yards through the air. Uh, so Jameson Williams is an incredibly impressive finish to his his career. I, I, I makes me curious. Uh, just thinking about what could have been had he just seen the field from year one. He mm-hmm. could have he could have had one of the best profiles we've ever seen, uh, given his explosion in uh, 2021. Uh, I definitely definitely disagree with uh, the hate on Chris Chris Olave though, Ray. So sorry, man. I so saw Chris. Go ahead, Olave, man. That's of, what we want to see. We want to see some arguing. Part of his his whole thing with the. Uh, lack of yak is that most of his targets ended like were in the end zone already in his Justin's his Justin Fields year like he had in his last three seasons he's got 19 touchdowns uh, on passes with at least 20 air yards so like he's like one of the best if not the best deep threat in this class and I don't think he's really he's not really talked up to be that but he is amazing uh, in that regard Oh, I don't dis- I don't disregard yeah. that at all. I, I yeah. totally agree with that part. It's just, I mean, Ohio State's got for sure a world class strength program and all that good stuff. I just need to see you break arm tackles against, you know, Michigan State 
<laughs> you know, when, when you do get the chance, when you do catch that 10 yard comeback. So yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Top 16 player, at least on my board for sure. So great player. I'm just, you know, there's some flaws in his game. And so for the Saints to trade up and go through all that, eh, you know, I, I got some questions there. And, and yeah. it's also something about those Ohio state backups transferring to the sec and having, uh, you know, you know, basically exploding onto the scene and then getting drafted <laughs> highly and having more success than the guys ahead of them at Ohio state. Uh, I don't know, something going on there with uh, Burrow and now maybe Jameson too. So, mm-hmm. And the Lions decided to trade up and get Jameson Williams when he got ejected from the Iron Bowl <laughs> for targeting during a punt return. <laughs> hey, dude, dude but, but, go, he goes hard. Goes hard, man. <laughs> I, I got to ask you guys, though, like before before the ACL injury to Jameson Williams, was he your number one wide receiver as well? Because quite honestly, he was top 10 pick in my opinion. Like he's got elite route running. He's got the burst. He's got the ability to take the, the top off the defense. He's got good hands. He has the contested catch ability. He plays with a physicality that doesn't match his size. Like uh, Jameson Williams was – was receiver two, in my opinion, with Olave three and Drake London four. I'm not a Drake London fan by any stretch of the imagination. What the Falcons did at number eight overall to get him was mind-boggling to me. I thought they should have went Garrett Wilson there. And quite honestly, even after losing Calvin Ridley, Jamison Williams coming off the ACL injury, you're in a rebuild anyways. You don't need to have him right there immediately available. He's a perfect Calvin Ridley replacement. Like that guy is good enough to be a true wide receiver one. And for him to slide down and for the Lions to trade up to get him and not go quarterback, by the way, which blew my blew me away. But uh, to, for for Jamison Williams to go as the the fourth wide receiver off the board was just mind boggling, in my opinion. Errol and I were and sitting in the ACL there. Errol and I were sitting in a restaurant watching the draft, and he said, "Oh, they're going to trade up for a quarterback. Nobody else trades up for except for a quarterback." <laughs> and I said, "Don't watch the draft a wide receiver." I didn't think it was going to be Williams. I actually thought it was going to be Burks, but they ended up going with a receiver. Wow, that's but, a whole other world. That would have been. Yeah, Lance, like Lance, Lance, like you were there. saying, the the Falcons. Yeah, they didn't want to draft Jamison Williams. Maybe they're trying to break the pattern or not drafting Alabama wide receivers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As everybody knows, we're talking to our draft panel: Lance Sanderson from the Mile High Huddle, Travis May from Roto Viz. Uh, John Vogel from Football Sapien, and obviously Ray Akato for Al. Oh, I'm sorry, All 22. Uh, two draft picks for you, uh, Mr. Lance. Uh, Jordan Davis going 13, who I think could be the best player in this draft class, and Kyle Hamilton um, from Notre Dame going to the Ravens the way he did. I can't believe he fell to the Ravens, by the way. But what did you think of those two picks? Well, I want to hear John's thoughts on on uh, on Jordan Davis first. Uh, he hasn't got to go here in a minute, so let's let's get Jordan in here really quick. Go ahead, or uh, John in here. Yeah, um, excellent, awesome. You you had those issues on the defensive line last year with the Eagles. Um, Jordan Davis is a perfect fit for them because he's a he's a rotational guy. He only played. I don't think he played over 320 snaps a single season in career. Um, and so that's kind of the issue is that you're going to get a rotational guy with him. And, and that was the limited uh, snap counts and everything. But he's a monster. The Georgia practice tape, you know, that uh, came up during the draft broadcast that, you know, you didn't see these guys do on the field because they were kind of asking them to do other things, showed that he could be just as dominant as a one or a three tech. Um, and that's exactly what the Eagles need is somebody on the inside to kind of float around. Give uh, Fletcher Cox some time off on the field. Let him kind of get his catch his breath and go after the quarterback. And Jordan Davis has done that before. You know, if you watch the Clemson game, he did that up and down. 
And I thought that was really smart to go ahead and make that move up ahead of uh, Baltimore because they were about to pick them there. So, you know, make that happen, get that depth, and uh, take advantage of it. I heard a couple of teams trying to draft up uh, for Jordan Davis. Uh, Jordan Davis went from, at one point before the combine, he was going to be in the 20s, jumped all the way up. Some people said he could have been in a top 10. And I, I really believe he could be the best defensive player in this class. I mean, that's how good he is. That's how talented he is. And if you look at Georgia's defensive line, if you look, by the way, Georgia broke a record. They had the most um, top three, uh, three round picks we've ever seen from a, a college football team in, in history, in, in, in NFL history. And total 15. Yeah, total 15 too. So, uh, it's it's crazy how good the Georgia Bulldogs were this year. Arguably one of the greatest defenses and fastest defenses we've ever seen. Kyle Hamilton going from from Notre Dame to arguably one of the best defenses in all of football, the Baltimore Ravens. What do you think, Lance? So, if you turn on tape of Kyle Hamilton at Notre Dame, there's like there's two teams in this in this draft that, that well really in any draft, especially when you're scouting defensive players, that you say that guy belongs on this team, and Kyle Hamilton belongs on the Baltimore Ravens. He's physical, he's fluid, he's fast, he covers really well. The, the guy tackles as, as one of the best tackling safeties you've seen in the draft, and I don't give a damn about the four five seven forty. You realize that Ed Reed, the the best single high center fielder safety we've ever seen play in the NFL, ran a four five nine. Like he's slower than Kyle Hamilton by half a step. Like this was a perfect fit, and for them to get a top five player, it was my number two overall player on the board. I, I had Ikey Kwanu number one, but uh, to get a top five player to fall all the way to fourteen, you don't have to move up to get him, and he fills a major need for your team. Like, and he's a perfect fit for what you want to do. This is a home run selection for me. Uh, Travis, obviously, uh, I, w- I want to know your opinion on these two picks. Uh, Kenyon Green going to the Texans and Dotson going to the Washington uh, Commanders. Sure. And real quick on Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely. Dude broke his ankle in October. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know why no one's like, hey, uh, maybe the guy with a broken ankle is not going to run as fast as he can. <laughs> you know? <It's> like, <laughs> like, I don't know why that was not uh, – like everywhere, like obviously that's why, because dude has crazy athleticism. So I'm not worried about yeah. him at all. Uh, Kenny Green, a uh, big deal for as long as I can remember. Uh, again, nerding out with recruiting nonsense. Pretty sure he was a he was a five star kid, just an absolute mauler when he came into uh, the program for Texas A&M. So uh, he was all over the place uh, throughout the process. I think the mock draft settled on him being like a fringe first round pick. Um, last week even like early last summer i feel like people were mocking him as an early top 10 type talent uh, that could be guard could be tackle um uh, he could probably play anywhere on the line so a lot of people were talking about how he how good he was going to be and so it really surprised me when you know i guess uh paralysis by way too much analysis people overthought it and moved him down their boards or whatever but NFL told us, hey, he's a he's a mid-first round, early first round kind of talent, and profiles as a guard to go that high is pretty incredible. So really love the talent, really love the pick. Uh, Texans needed, well, everything. So good on them uh, getting a, a home home pick with Texas A&M there uh, too. But uh, Jahan Dotson, he was he was a fun uh, wide receiver. I play in super nerdy like fantasy football leagues, and so I drafted him two years ago in round 45. Don't ask. And so I'm really, really excited that he's a first round pick. Um, 
but uh, so really it, it's odd because he does so many uh, good things that are similar to Terry McLaurin. But in this day and age where teams are really not looking to pay their wide receivers, uh, maybe the commanders are just planning ahead and going, look, we're going to get a guy who dominates and separates. And even though he's smaller, he actually wins contested catches at an absurd rate for his size. And so, yeah, Dotson, uh, I think it's a perfect fit. Um, I'm not sure how long, how long Wentz is actually going to be the quarterback, uh, but that's that's a different problem. So I was really excited for that landing spot because I think uh, McCorn is actually old when he came into the league, and so he, he might not they might not want to pay him the 25 mil he's going to be asking for uh, sooner than later. Well, I'm not surprised that Zion Johnson was going to uh, the Chargers. They needed a guard. They added so many pieces in the offseason, defensively, offensively. They needed to clean up certain parts of that offensive line. Now they add the guard, uh, arguably the best guard at, at that spot in this year's draft class. So I'm not surprised Zion Johnson was going to the Chargers. Um, uh, what were your thoughts, Ray, uh, with the trade that surprised everybody? A.J. Brown uh, obviously, the Eagles trading up and, and – well, trading down, trading with the Tennessee Titans uh, for A.J. Brown, and uh, they draft uh, Trayvon uh, – Trayvon Tray, – I'm sorry, Traylon uh, Burks. What did, what did you think about that move? Yeah, first, uh, Travis, you and I are going to have to talk uh, a 45th round of a draft, Jahan Dodson. I mean, we, you're speaking my language, so let's, uh, let's <laughs> get go. off the line here. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the Titans – it's it was interesting because I had the Titans before the draft as a team that had maybe a two year window to make a run that that offense, you know, Henry's getting up there. He's got some mileage. You saw the injury coming up, right? They, uh, you know, they had Brown. Um, but, you know, you took a look at that team a week ago and you said, hey, in two years, it's, the offense is going to look pretty different. Right. I'm not sure that window's still going to be open for these guys. Then they went ahead and traded Brown. Um, you know, I get the whole, hey, you don't want to pay this guy $20, $25 million. So you get another big body physical wide receiver. Uh, but Burks has a lot of questions to me. It's, you know, that, that offense, you know, you don't know if it's because they had no quarterback over there at Arkansas. That's why he doesn't run a full route tree. And they just wanted to get the ball in his hands because he's their best athlete. Or if he's just, you know, too, you know, just can't do it, right? Maybe he doesn't have that fluidity that you see in someone like a Chris Olave. The other thing that wasn't talked about enough, in my opinion, leading up to the draft with Burks is he's got some, you know, weight control issues, right? There, there were talk about, oh, he was up to, you know, 240 after the regular season and had to get back down for the combine and so forth or whatever else. I mean, when, when was the last time we really talked about a wide receiver who had to control his weight working out for a long <laughs> period of time in this league? It doesn't happen. Kelvin Benjamin was good for a year or so, and that's about it. Um, so there's question marks there. Again, it's just things you didn't see that you wanted to see. You didn't see that he can't do it. You just didn't see it on his tape as far as being a complete receiver. So it's, it's definitely a risk on, uh, you know, on the part of Tennessee. Um, and so for the Eagles, I mean, shoot, you come out of Thursday night with Jordan Davis, AJ Brown, and you still have your two first next year. Um, you know, after robbing the saints, you go ahead and, <laughs> and now you, you add a number one receiver health pending to your team and still keep those first next year. That's, that's, you know, that's really good uh, GMing right there. <laughs> uh, we have actually have a Titans fan in this panel, Travis. Uh, you were mentioning all that. You mentioned the Titans a lot. We talked about AJ Brown when he had you on the show and Derek Henry among those other guys. So what was your reaction to your star receiver getting traded? <laughs> I was actually on, on draft night. I was on a, a few different live live stream shows and stuff. And I was in the middle of a show and I, and I didn't have the TV in front of me. 
And the guys just all went like, what just happened? Like all at the same time. And I'm like, what? Like, like and they know I'm a Titans fan. I was like, well, uh, AJ, Brain, uh, AJ Brown's no longer a Titan, by the way. So, uh, yeah, so that was uh, a shock, uh, to say the least. You know, it's so funny um, because I saw it happening and I told Speedy, they said something crazy just happened, and I saw a trade. And I say, I, how much you want to bet the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown? He goes, I said, go to Adam Schefter. And well, what did you see on the post? Adam Schefter says, A.J. Brown was traded uh, from Tennessee to the Eagles. I started laughing. <laughs> it's a funny perspective, guy. I'm a Giants fan, so I was enjoying the, yeah. the two draft picks. As you guys have mentioned, it was, a, it was a great scenario all around for the Giants. That all of a sudden, the Eagles trade up, they draft Jordan Davis, and then they, all of a sudden they say, oh, they, they trade for A.J. Brown. So that, that, that essentially just... Uh, dampen the mood. I know, uh, Ray, you're a Cowboys fan, so that went definitely not ideal. And Travis, you being a Titans fan, losing your star receiver. That had to yeah, I mean, I, it was rough because, I mean, like, we have Nick Westbrook, Akina, yeah. and not a whole lot else. I mean, it's just like they already needed another wide receiver. And so they picked uh, up that Robert was, Woods, did they not? Yeah, but he's, he's like older and coming off an injury. It's like, I don't, I, that's cool, I, man. Like, he's not even going to be the same player either. Like so, I'm I, not I'm not sold on their offense this year, which stinks because like Traylon Burks, he's really talented, but there's going to be all this pressure on him to immediately just sl- slot in as this AJ Brown copy. Uh, and AJ Brown was like this big slot at Ole Miss back in the day. I mm-hmm. mean, he slid outside when DK Metcalf missed some time, but he was mainly that big slot in in that role that Traylon Burks primarily did at Arkansas, and uh, it was a lot of schematic production from both of them uh, throughout their process. Um, I guess, college process. Burks is just weird, though, like a freaking unicorn. Like, he's 230-plus pounds, and he was a slot guy. Bunch of screen production, go balls where he mossed people. Like, I don't even know how to how to compare him to just about anybody. And so, uh, just a really odd pr- prospect that a lot of people comp to A.J. Brown, but he really wasn't even that. Dude, like, does boar hunting like with his bare, hun- with his bare hands. Like, that's – like, dude's – it's a little weird. Maybe he's got to hang uh, out with your Assessmentus. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited though, just because uh, cap wise, it, it's obviously a win, um, and so I guess for the future, this could be great. Go ahead, Lance. You were going to say something. Well, I, I guess the the biggest comparison you can get, and it, they're not athletically the same, but the way that they use him at Arkansas, uh, comparing to D- Debo Samuel for a minute, mm-hmm. like athletically, he's probably closer to AJ Brown and what they actually want to do with him at, at uh, in, in Tennessee. That's like that's a perfect replacement for him. But uh, Traylon Burks was a, a guy that I was a lot lower on. I was surprised to see him go that high and to see. Uh, the, the Titans let go of A.J. Brown, who I think is a top 10 receiver in this league when you have good quarterback quarterback play around him. Like, uh, to, to see them move on, I, I understand, you know, the, the salary cap implications and stuff like that. You want to reset the position and get a, a guy that profiles similarly to what you want to do with A.J. Brown. Like, I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then to see them lose A.J. Brown, just, eh. and I'm not a Titans fan. I, I just love A.J. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trevor, uh, Trevor Penning, Going number 19, nobody was surprised about that. There was so many experts we've had on said that the Saints really love Trevor Penning, Trevor Penning and that if he fell to them at number 19, which more than likely he was, he was going number 19. Uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, John, what were your thoughts of Kenny Pickett being the first quarterback off the board to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Kudos to Pittsburgh. They pull off the biggest misinformation campaign ever Um, because it seems like every year we go into the draft and we're like, we know exactly who the Steelers are picking. You know, last year was everybody knew they loved Najee and they were just sitting there waiting for Najee to go. 
Um, it feels like every year we, we have a really good idea of who they like and who they're going to target, especially there in that first round when they have that pick. And this year it was Malik Willis. We, they loved Malik Willis and everything about him. And under the radar, under the card table, was Kenny Pickett the entire time. And so I wanted to kind of question it at first. I'm, I'm, I have my own concerns with Pickett, and I know that a lot of people feel like he's the most pro-ready quarterback in the class, and I can kind of see that in terms of the the offense that they played at Pitt and, you know, his skill set. But um, I had some issues with his consistency in structure. A lot of his highlights when you turn them on are out of structure and he's improvising to make plays, which is fine. You know, that's a good, th- that's a good trait to have. I just want to see that more consistently inside the pocket because um, you kind of need that to win in the league. But uh, if anybody has any idea about what this guy is, is made of and how ready he is, it's going to be Pittsburgh because they're working in the same facility. So um, overall, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, it's going to be bad because, you know, I've been wrong about quarterbacks before, you know, so um, I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, they, they know better than anybody. I, I hope they know better than anybody because, uh, you know, before that, the biggest reach in the draft to me was Trevor Penning, but that lasted for about 10 minutes. Um, I had Trevor Penning like maybe from 40 to 50, you know, I don't exactly number my board that way, but I, at least with Penning and I'll get to pick it too in a second, but with Penning, I saw a guy that was, was too stiff and tight in the hips there really for tackle, but then, you know, kind of too tall and linear, not flexible enough inside. I just, I draft him. I don't know where I'm going to put him to say, okay, here's my first round pick. I could, I can mold this guy into a pro bowler in three years. I just didn't see that with Penning um, at all. I really thought holding was, penalties too. Last well, year. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't, and, and he's not facing great competition, right? And it almost sounds a lot like a guy who was taking about five picks later, which I'm sure we'll get to. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I really was not a Penning fan. And I know he was kind of connected with the Saints. So I wasn't surprised when it happened, but that was a big reach to me. And as for Pickett, I mean, he better be pro ready at this point. He's like turning 24 in like six weeks uh, and was in college for like six years. I just, I share your concerns there. It's like, what are you doing in structure as opposed to, you know, outside the pocket when plays break down and you just, you know, against, you know, UNC or something, right? I want to see stuff that translates. And I really didn't see that in his game. He kind of, you know, reminded me of, and again, a little bit Penn State flavor here, but kind of like a slightly bigger Trace McSorley with a little bit better timing in his game. Um, you know, just, I wasn't seeing it. I really didn't see it with any of the quarterbacks in this class for first round picks. Um, but you know, again, the Steelers have much more resources than I do. And of course, if you have conviction about a guy, you go ahead and take him there. But, um, I wouldn't have done it. And that's, maybe that's just me. As everybody knows, we're talking to our draft panel, Lance Sanderson from Mile High Huddle, Travis May from Roto Viz, John Vogel from Football Sapien and Ray Cotto from All 22. Um, Kansas City moves up at 21 to arguably jump on, I think, the more under, probably the most underrated corner in this year's draft in Trent McDuffie. What did you think, Lance, uh, McDuffie going to the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, being a, a draft analyst and a, and a Broncos analyst for Mile High Huddle, watching the Chiefs trade up for Trent McDuffie was my second worst nightmare. And the first one was watching them trade up for Jamison Williams. So thank you to Detroit for that. But uh, uh, 
Trent McDuffie is such a great fit for what they want to do. Uh, great in man, uh, a great fluidity. He can play on the inside. They need a slot cornerback. He can play the safety position as well. Uh, like the, the fit and the value that they got there, they didn't give a whole lot to, to move up and go and get this kid. Uh, he was my third cornerback on the board after Stingley. Uh, I saw Gardner uh, number one. But uh, to, to see those guys go and fill a massive need, like that, that secondary in Kansas City has been a mess for a long time. Uh, when you're you're starting Steven Nelson and Bashad Breland at the cornerback position. Like that's, that's not a great cornerback duo that you have on the outside uh, to go and get a guy that can play all over the formation in a Trent McDuffie. Uh, like he's super physical too. Like that's something you, you see with all these Washington cornerbacks and safeties coming out. I mean, go back to Marcus Peters. Uh, you've got Kyler Gordon later in this class as well. Uh, uh, McDuffie, like th- these guys, they know how to tackle. They know how to cover. They're a highly athletic. And with the scheme fit, the, the, the versatility he has for the chiefs, uh, that was my second worst scenario for the Broncos, <laughs> but uh, to see to see them do that, I love the pick. If Jamison Williams were to gotten to the Chiefs, you would have seen the fantasy overreactions be higher than Hilaire taken in the first round two years ago. <laughs> Family friendly, double barreled middle finger to the Chiefs that they would have managed to pull that off. Like seriously, I would have hated that. But, well. I'm not surprised that they, they – they probably did try to pull it off. They just couldn't land it. But anyways, uh, 22 and 23, Quay Walker goes to Green Bay. Uh, I think Green Bay – no matter how good these defensive players that Green Bay got, I still think they needed a wide receiver so very bad. I would have traded those two picks or traded one of these picks and another pick to move up to try to get one of those wide receivers. I think they're putting themselves in a bad position going into the season. Um, Travis, what did you think about Quay Walker going to Green Bay and uh, Elam going to Buffalo as early as he did? Uh, yeah, I, I actually had Elam going around this. I think it, oh. in multiple mocks that I wrote, I've had Elam going, I think, exactly in the spot or maybe one pick really? later. So, yeah, I think, I, honestly, I, I think a lot of people had him in the 30s, but this is where I kind of had him. I actually had him ahead of uh, Trent McDuffie. Uh, McDuffie's got the, the length issues, I think. And so I had less questions, I think, with Elam. Um, I love that uh, he was an early declare kind of prospect and was really confident in him. But Quay Walker, I was – I think many people were surprised that N'Kobe Dean kept falling in the way that he did. And, uh, you know, it ended up being that, uh, you know, he had a slight tear or something like that, some kind of concern in, in his pec. And there was uh, doubts as to whether he was going to have surgery. Apparently he's not going to have to have surgery whatever. I don't know what else contributed – to Nicobe Dean's drop other than him being a tweener, but uh, I think he's better than Quay. And so it was really surprising to me that uh, Quay Walker, who really profiles as like a linebacker of old, like I feel like his skill set, I mean, he's okay in coverage, but uh, he looks more like a, a linebacker from 2010 than he does a linebacker from 2022. He wasn't even a top five player on his own defense. So for him to go uh, this early was flat out confusing. And uh, you know, one of the worst picks in the first round, in my opinion. <laughs> so I, I actually got some information on N'Kobe Dean uh, from a source. He had a foot, an ankle, a knee, a hip, and a shoulder injury, the, the pectoral injury. <laughs> He's falling uh, apart. All, his laundry list of injuries was a mile long, and it wasn't that uh, he didn't need surgery. He did. He elected to not have it because he didn't think that he needed it. So it, it wasn't a full tear of the pectoral. as a partial tear. At least that's what a source told me. So uh, yeah, that I got, might be I got that it was a – Essentially, like the equivalent of a strain is what I heard, but okay, yeah, 
<laughs> like, but that that would be why Nicobe Dean fell what to eighty eight or whatever the heck it was it's to crazy. Philadelphia. Like it's a long fall for him. A, a guy that a lot of people that I know uh, in the industry had as a as a top twenty potential player. Like there there's a long re- list of reasons why he fell. I'm sure the Eagles aren't complaining about it. <laughs> no, the, no, the Eagles should just make Eagle. him inactive at all games at FedEx Field for his entire career. <laughs> I definitely don't think they're complaining about it. They got a, a massively good player at. at number 80 where they can, he could sit out for the whole season and next season and then play and be a big part of that defense moving forward. Cause he's a leader. He was a leader of that Georgia Bulldog team. And a lot of people say he was the best player on that team throughout the season. So uh, that says a lot for him and his leadership. Um, Ray, uh, your Cowboys who a lot of people did not like it, their draft. They actually gave, uh, you, you saw Pat McAfee gave, <laughs> gave the, uh, the Cowboys an F minus. I mean, a couple of people didn't do, didn't really like what they did. What were your thoughts of Tyler Smith from Tulsa going to the Cowboys? So I actually had a bigger problem with the Cowboys' second round pick than I did their first. Um, you know, Linder talking Bond about the, the rapist. You talking about the rapist? Uh, allegedly, um, so, that's what Jerry uh, Jones was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with with Smith, right? You had Linderbaum on the board there, but the Cowboys don't really take guys that don't meet their sort of physical physical thresholds, right? You got the short arms and the small hands, whatever else. You know, it, Iowa has their own questionable uh, strength and conditioning uh, program uh, methods over there, and he still couldn't reach three hundred pounds. So uh, I, I get why they, you know, didn't go that route. And the thing with Smith is, yeah, there's a lot of penalties there, but you watch the tape. I forget what it was. It was 12 or 14 penalties or whatever this past season. You move him to guard, which is the plan. At least half of those are eliminated right off the bat because half of those penalties are him just being extra on the island over there on the outside and just trying to bully people, kind of like a like a kid on the playground that just is just angry at you know his parents or something. Um, and the other half is just, you know, technical works. I get what they see in the upside there. And you put him next to Tyron Smith, um, you know, that veteran presence there alongside him on the left side. And it's fine. They just went through a year of Connor Williams just not being strong enough and having his own struggles with holding penalties because he just physically couldn't hold up against the bull rush against some of their bigger opponents and, and so forth. You especially saw that in the last game there against the 49ers. So I get the pick. I don't love it, but they really were wiped out. There were no good receivers there for them to take. Uh, I guess Dean, they probably weren't taking him anyway because of his size concerns, but you have the injuries there, and you saw how far he fell. So I I get why they took it. Do I love it? No, but understand it, and they were kind of wiped out. Um, So I get going with the upside of a guy like Smith there, you know, super young, just turned 21. Um, So, you know, plug him into Smith and, you know, let him let him grow and develop there a bit. I think his best spot long term is at guard, even though he does have some tackle length. Um, But I I wouldn't force it to tackle just because, hey, we drafted this guy pretty high. So I want him at tackle in three years. Don't force it if he if he thrives at guard. Let him because that does eliminate some of the deficiencies you do see in his game. Nicobe Dean on the Cowboys would be funny. They just should play ten linebackers and, and Trayvon Hicks. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> John, well, don't play. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. John Tyler Lindenbaum going to uh, the Baltimore Ravens. I think this was a great pick by them. What did you think about Tyler Lindenbaum going to the Baltimore Ravens? Tyler Linderbaum is very, very strong. Yeah, you know, I know Ray just mentioned he never got up to three hundred pounds, and that is surprising. But this is a guy that in high school was beating Tristan Wirfs in wrestling, I believe for the state championship, if mm-hmm. I remember that correctly. Mm-hmm. 
So he, he's got some real grit to his game. But I love what the Ravens were doing, and they did this the entire draft. And it was basically they felt their roster was loaded enough where they could just take the best guy who's on left on the board. And that's what they did the entire time. And Linderbaum going to 25, he was arguably the best guy on the board. Um, I guess you could make the argument that Jermaine Johnson, he went next, is the best guy because, you know, a lot of people had him going top 10. But uh, Linderbaum fits what they what they want. They want to protect uh, Lamar Jackson this year. And it wasn't a good spot to try to reach and grab a receiver after moving Marquise Brown. So made all the sense in the world to me. I loved it. And he's going to be awesome down there in uh, Baltimore. Lance, I know you you mentioned Jermaine Johnson. Tennessee was on the clock. They traded with the Jets. The Jets really didn't give up as much as a lot of people thought they were going to have to give up for Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson was a guy that the Jets, a lot of people said that were were trying were really undecided with to go with, to go with Garrett Wilson at ten or Jermaine Johnson. They still got Garrett Wilson. And they got Jermaine Johnson. What were your thoughts when the Jets traded up from the second round to 26 with Tennessee to get arguably one of the best pass rushers in this draft class? It really didn't surprise me to see them go up and go get Jermaine Johnson because I heard buzz that they were like willing to take him at number four and see if Sauce Gardner fell all the way to number 10 because they had intel that uh, the, the Seahawks were on uh, Derek Stingley at number nine. Like, but and when Stingley went at number three to the to the Houston Texans, they decided, well, we'll see, uh, we'll get Sauce Gardner here, and we'll see what happens. Garrett Wilson didn't go at number eight to the Falcons like he was going to, and then Jermaine Johnson just kept falling, and eventually they decided, you know what, we'll we'll give up what what, what was it, thirty five or something like that, and then another couple late round picks they, move back up into they, the first they round. They swapped, they swapped thirds. They gave uh-huh. up the second. They gave up their first. Uh, no, they they swapped seconds. They gave up a. They they. I'm sorry. They swapped thirds. They gave up their second, and they they gave him a fifth. Yeah, to, to move up and go and get a guy that they had as a top ten player on their board mm. that just kept falling. And apparently, from the sound of it, they were trying. They were calling everybody from fifteen down, mm-hmm. and finally found a trade partner to go and get a guy that they had as a top ten player on their board. Uh, you're, you're talking twitchy, strong, athletic. Uh, couldn't fit in on the Georgia roster, so he transferred to Florida State and then absolutely shined down there. Uh, destroyed the Senior Bowl by all accounts. Was one of the best players there in one on one and. Uh, according to a lot of people was the number four edge defender on the board uh, and to get him at number 26 overall after a slight trade up essentially for them and not giving up a whole lot to get him. It's, it's a genius move. Like uh, to, to have those guys get sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson, who are all three top 10 players on their board is tremendous. Devin Lloyd goes to, you know, from Utah to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, everybody knows what Jacksonville was trying to do. They're trying to rebuild that defense. Uh, it's been, it was a problem last year, uh, especially in the second half of the season. They couldn't get to the quarterback, and uh, that's why they added Walker. They added Devin Lloyd. Devontae Wyatt goes to the Green Bay Packers. Travis, what were your thoughts when that happened? I thought that was actually a good pick, unlike uh, the their other one uh, this round. So, so congratulations on that one. They just uh, they kept, they kept on alternating though. Good pick, bad pick. Good pick, bad. Pick. And again, uh, in just a few picks after this one, bad pick. But um, yeah, Devontae Wyatt. I mean, like, from a te- technical standpoint, he's probably more. Well, he's it's not probably. He's definitely uh, sharper than Jordan Davis. But the thing about Jordan Davis is 
He's just a massive freaking human being that can throw your tight end with his left arm and take out two, two other offensive linemen with his other. And so, uh, yeah, that's why he's a problem. But Wyatt was always going to be a first-round talent, in my opinion, and uh, could have even gone higher. I think I had him higher in uh, some mocks that I wrote up. So, really, excellent pick right here. Uh, they needed this, uh, this exact Position, so honestly, yeah. I thought Devonte Wyatt was better than Walker. I, I really did, and and the fact that Walker, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that Walker went one and Wyatt fell to twenty eight, I because he was to me watching watching the Bulldogs in the championship game against Alabama. Wyatt in the second half was all over the place. He was dominating the line of scrimmage. They could not stop him. He was throwing people around. I I was so surprised when I heard Walker jump from like ten all the way to one, and Walker at certain you know certain games this year disappeared. He really wasn't as dominant as everybody said he was. He wasn't even a starter the whole season. <laughs> so how he went number one is is surprising me. Just shows you how bad Jacksonville is. <laughs> so, Leave it to Jacksonville to just take the random the the random second half breakthrough pass roster just because he has longer arms than Aiden and, Hutchinson. And by the way, their weakest part of their team is their offensive line and adding Robinson and give him an extension that's great you had a chance to take your pick on offensive linemen and you decide to go with pass rush which by the way yes has been a problem but you you picked the worst one out of all of them so it doesn't it never made sense on why they went with Walker I started laughing when they when Walker's name got called out because the Lions were laughing to the bank because they got the hometown kid he goes there and, and then Jermaine, I have no idea how Jermaine Johnson went to 26. I, I don't know. The Jets, you know, I think that the the gods from up in the air or wherever they were from, they say, you know what, you, I'm a Jet fan. You suck so long, okay, so we're going to give you a gift. We're going to give you the best wide receiver. We're going to give you a top three pass rusher and arguably the best corner in this year's draft. And let's see if this team could actually make the playoffs. Not this year, but in the next couple of years. So I guess the gods actually. Help the Jets. Also, I mean, seriously. Also, it really felt like his hype too really only came after uh, John. You mentioned the Ravens with with getting all the value picks. They drafted Ojabo too in the second round. It really only happened after Ojabo's injury that all of a sudden Trayvon Walker went from like a mid first round pick people were thinking to all of a sudden in the top ten in the Jacksonville. Oh, he's just he's the all the betting favorite to go number one. <laughs> um, John, what were your thoughts of Cole Strange going to the Patriots? Oh, my God. This was the shake of everybody's head at, 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 during the draft. And, and by the way, this might work. This might – knowing the Patriots, the, this guy will become an all-time best guard. It just – it seems like that to happen. But when this name – when Cole got called up and, and his name got called, some people said he was a mid-second-round pick. So yeah. what were your thoughts of Cole Strange going to the Patriots in the first round? So I was actually – so I'll, I'll message people. Uh, player personnel directors about this time of the year, right after the draft, kind of to see what's going on with uh, NFL teams coming in their programs and who they're looking at. And uh, the guy who was the personal, uh, the player personnel director of the UT, UT Chattanooga at the time, he's now uh, at Western Kentucky. Um, I messaged him last May and I said, is there anybody coming to come look at your guys? And he said, yeah, the last year teams have been lined up to see Cole Strange. And I was like, really? So I was on Cole Strange pretty early in the process. Um, I knew that as soon as he was on the Senior Bowl watch list, I knew he was going to go. I knew you were going to see that, um, you know, the Senior Bowls had a couple lower guys 
particularly offensive linemen the last couple of years really stand out. Uh, ben Barch a couple of years ago, Quinn Miners last year. And so I knew he was just going to be the next guy. But um, this is a very strong individual. You know, we saw that at the Senior Bowl. You saw that on tape when they played Kentucky. He's got really great balance. He needs to put on another 10 to 15 pounds to really, you know, take advantage of that. But he's a lot like Joe Tooney, who they just lost. So it makes all the sense in the world to take him. And, yeah, like Jim Nagy said, who's a senior bowl director, that a lot of teams he was talking to had him in the mid-second round. So, to me, it made all the sense in the world. I loved it. It made sense. Mr. Cotto, uh, Mr. Mr. Ray, uh, George Kaloftis goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. I am so surprised that this man was sitting at 30. I have no idea how this man was sitting at 30. This guy, this is definitely one of the steals of this year's draft. This guy is going to be an all-pro pass rusher, I believe, in this league. Remember, he played for Purdue, and there were teams triple-teaming him, and he was throwing people around. So what were your thoughts when Kansas City got their man, George Kaloftis? Yeah, this is this is a product of people overthinking things because uh, he's got some short arms. His testing wasn't very good. Uh, you know, I can't even say small. You know, like oh, he was at Purdue because I mean, that shouldn't even matter. And you just put on the tape, and he's you know, like you said, he's he's definitely a top guy against top competition. He's he's holding his own against everybody and anybody. Um, his tape was probably in my top ten favorite to watch in this class. But given his profile physically, the length concerns and the testing, I knew he'd fall a bit and he would be a steal for somebody. Um, it would have been interesting to see a healthy Ojabo to see where he would have gone and how that might have affected someone like this over here if they play the, you know, take the upside play with someone like Ojabo um, rather than the, you know, quote unquote high floor of Karloftis. But I think for, for a defense that really just needs sound players to you know, do their job and someone who can get pressure on the quarterback and just be well-rounded. That's, that's what Carl Laftis brings. And just don't overthink it with his arm length. And, you know, whatever the spider chart says, uh, guy can play guy can ball. He's like some, you know, freakishly, you know, unique athlete with like his weird water polo background or something. Like he, he's, you know, he, his athleticism translates. It's not always all about, you know, three. Could you imagine that big man jump. like that play water polo? I kid, yeah. Huge dude. And by the way, I, I, so Purdue's my alma mater. And okay. so uh, like I was, I was pumped to see him go this early. He's one of the highest rated recruits Purdue has ever gotten. Uh, he was a top 60 player in his class and, uh, profiled as a first-round pick for a long time. Teams keyed on him because, frankly, Purdue's defense is generally bad and well at everything. And so, uh, yeah, they they could key on him with multiple guys on every single snap. So uh, it'll be interesting interesting to see him in a spot where he can maybe get on an island on the outside and and dominate some people. You put it's, him with uh, Chris Jones, forget about it. That's, oh yeah, that's exactly. Crazy, when you dude. surround him with other NFL talent. Uh, I think he's going to be a lot of fun. But anyway, I, I got to head out, guys. All right, man. Got to go uh, be a dad. Thank I you, Travis. Old. Thank you for joining but, us, Trav. Uh, thank you yeah. very much. First things first, Travis, before you leave, it was a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for joining, man. It was, it was, it was good to talk football with you, dude. It's good. You guys yeah. could be friends Likewise. now. You can interact with each other and get on each other's shows. So there you go. Yeah, it was a great time with all you guys. So Thank you, Travis. Uh, thank you, Travis, much. for joining you guys, us. guys uh, have a good one. Appreciate it, Travis. Travis May from Roto Viz, fantastic guy, really is. Uh, we still have Lance uh, Sanderson, uh, John Vogel, and Ray Cotto. Uh, Daxton Hill, who I think 
a lot of people thought was in the teens in the first round. Uh, he fell all the way to 31. The Bengals got a nice piece, uh, a safety, something that, uh, you know, they already have one of the best safeties in the league. Now you add another one, another athletic, strong safety to this team. I mean, this team is loaded defensively. Uh, Mr. Sanderson, what did you think about Daxton Hill going to the Bengals? You know, so uh, me being a Broncos fan, my stepson is actually a huge Bengals fan, and to watch his get it, watch him get his heart crushed in the Super Bowl this last year, uh, he's been like asking me how many guys like what what the the, uh, the Bengals need, like they need se- secondary help, and that's what they did. Daxon Hill here, it, it, like there's a there's a good argument for him being a top cornerback in this league, let alone a safety. Uh, super physical. This kid tackles very, very well. I thought that he was going to go up pick earlier, even with the with the the Chiefs taking Trent McDuffie and uh, trading up to go and get him. They still needed help in the secondary to get Daxon Hill in in uh, Cincinnati. Then they'd pair him with uh, Cam Taylor Britt, and then go and get Tyson Anderson, for, uh, another safety from Toledo. They completely rehauled the secondary with a lot of versatile guys to take over for Trey Waynes, to take over for Eli Apple, who we all know is burnt toast on top of burnt toast. <laughs> yes. Like like it was absolutely terrible. Dax Hill can play in the slot. He can, yeah, like he can play. He can play in the slot. He can play on the boundary. He can play and drop down the safety. He can run up and is a very physical run defender in the box. Like loved this pick for the Bengals, even though like they could have added to the offensive line here as well and go and got another tackle and Bernard Ryman. Like still to, to add the value of a guy that's projected as a top fifteen pick and a, a, an amazing safety that, that can play all over the formation. Tremendous. All right, guys. So we and obviously Lewis scene goes to uh, Minnesota. He's a good player. I, I it's still a stretch. A lot of people thought he was a second round talent. Um, a lot on a lot of people's boards. Some people said I, I I know somebody that we had on the show that said he was a, a, for a like an early third round talent. Uh, the fact that Minnesota. Uh, decided to uh, go that route. Uh, I'm very surprised, but obviously with a new coach and a new regime, uh, they have their own thoughts. So why don't we go through – we're not going to go through all the rounds. I, I, I want to know your each of you uh, – I'll go with you first, John. Your top five winners in this year's draft. Well, before I get to that, Lewis Seen mm-hmm. was a first-round talent. Really? You think might... that, huh? Oh, yes. Yes. He might have been – Arguably the best, the better safety. Now I know that that's huh. that's a bold statement with Kyle Hamilton, but Very interesting. he might have been the better safety. He might be the better pro, and the reason that is is one number one, he's got great range, right? And he's and his speed is off the charts. It's right there at Dax Hill. They were, I think, Dax Hill was a four three seven. Seen as a four three eight. That's on tape. He's the one of the only guys I'm really comfortable with playing single high hmm. in this class, and because he did it at Georgia. And he was so rarely out of position. Lewis seems a player, and I'm going to tell you that right now. We I'm had a, we had two guys on the show that some they thought they were they, they were mid. He was a mid second round pick, and then we had I have another guy that told me on his board he was like an early third round pick. So that's wild. Yeah, that's wild. No, because that's the thing is when I was at the combine, I sat down, I got the chance to actually meet Trent Balky. Mm. I know a lot of a lot of you know a lot of people don't agree with his methods and everything, but you talk to anybody around the league, he's one of the best talent evaluators in the league. Hmm. And so I asked him about safety specifically. You know, like how do you how do you assess safeties? And Lewisine hits all of those points. Really? I was really surprised the Jaguars didn't try to get him too, <laughs> but he hits every single one of those points. 
that's on there being football IQ, being able to tackle, especially in space, being rangy, being a ball hawk. He does it all. Lewisine's going to be a player. Yeah, that would have so, been too smart. I wanted for the to Jack address Morse. that because you were just like, oh, it's so dismissive. And I can't, I can't, I can't let that stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you, John. I'm with you, John. Like, it, Lewisine was one of those players that got looked over because that Georgia defense was so good. They got another safety in Brian Cook who went later in the – I think it was a yep. third-round pick. Like they, they use those safeties in tandem, and they both actually have the range and the versatility to be able to play that single high center fielder. And out of the top three safeties, which seen is definitely a top three safety, I have him as a, a high second-round pick. But, uh, yes, I, I can see the, the value of him in the, in the first round. But mm-hmm. to see that guy, the, the tackling ability, the, 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 the fluidity that he has, the coverage ability, like he's a yeah. first round player. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no doubt about it. But when you've got Devontae Wyatt, when you've got Jordan Davis, when you've got Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, you've got Darion Kendrick, who's another uh, quality Georgia player. You've got uh, Jordan Davis as well. The other edge defender that I forget his name, he's eligible for the draft next year. They had what? Nine different players on the on that defense that are going to be professional football players, and Lewis Steen is the third best one, and he gets overlooked because of that. Like this guy is phenomenal at the safety position. Nolan Smith, I think, is the one you're thinking of, Lance. Yes, that's yeah. it. That's it. And Jalen Carter's better than all of them, though. Uh, Jalen Carter's going to be very good. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> so I don't totally disagree with you guys. I don't think I have him as like, hey, he might be my number one safety. All I'm saying is I, I can see a you know, mid-late first for scene. I'm just saying if you have seen there, don't don't come at me with uh, Jaquan Brisker being a borderline top 50 player. Uh, he does no, all the exact same things. He's, you know, it was a, that was a great pick by the Bears. Um, you know, he can do anything asked of him, you know, unless, unless you tell me that your doctor's checked out his shoulder issue that he's had lingering for a while. And that's a big red flag. That's the only answer I'll accept as to why he falls, you know, to the back half of the second round. See, John, the reason, the reason the Jaguars didn't draft him, it would have been too smart for them. (laughs) Well, hell, since we're talking safeties that that are versatile and can do everything, Jalen Petrie from Baylor, like that kid's a freaking monster too. And to see him slide into the second round, like the top end of this safety class was so good this year. It was even better than last year. I had Richie Grant from uh, UCF as a first round player on my board last year and Trevon Morig as well. Like, these guys, th- this safety class is better than last year's class, and that's hard for me to admit. Mm, interesting. So, John, top five from one to five. Who do you got? Okay, well, I think the Jets from top to bottom did a really great job uh, across the board, getting their top, getting those three guys in the first round and then continuing to pick to make good picks. Um, that was a great, great, great draft for them. I, I like what the Giants did especially and they continued on without through the draft too and you know people were a little critical at times but you know they took their guy Wandale Robinson uh the receiver out of Kentucky in the second round specifically I think a lot of people were a little bit more concerned about um he's going to be fine he's going to be a very good player and he's going to fit what they want after that Baltimore for sure they just drafted the best talent that was there and they, they just kept doing it and they just kept doing it and you know now they can sit there in, in their 13 personnel <laughs> and run the ball with Lamar Jackson and have that option of being able to throw you know all season long they're going to be dangerous I really liked uh what the Titans did across the board out you know people the trade was a little bit off I think um to move AJ Brown like that but when you look at the rest of everything else they did they've restocked that offense to continue on building 
um, and kind of open up that window a little bit more. You can move on from Ryan Tanhill next year if Malik Willis is refined enough right. or in two years potentially. And you drafted this nucleus of talent to go around him. Hassan Haskins is a great running back out of Michigan. Kyle Phillips is an awesome slot safety. I mean, a slot receiver out of UCLA. And, you know, uh, Chago Conquo, the tight end out of Maryland, blew up the Shrine Bowl. He's a lot of fun. He's a great run blocker. You know, so they got a bunch of guys that fit what they wanted, and I love that. And to finish out at five, that's a good question. I'm going to go ahead. I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm going to say Eagles. No, oh, yes. Um, because I, I love what they did, you know, moving up and down the board, uh, getting Dean in the third round, getting Davis up there. And then um, they just they did a good job using the picks, stockpiling, hanging on to next year because if uh, Jalen Hurts isn't the, the, the real deal, as we'll know at the end of next year, they've got two first-round picks to move up and go get one of these top mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You actually mentioned the Jets, John. I remember the last time we had you on the show, you were actually pretty critical of Sauce Gardner. So have you kind of changed your tune with that? Or? Yeah. No, so the, the thing with that is if you're a taller corner and you're in zone coverage, sometimes that helps you. Because uh, my issue with taller corners is that you don't have great reactionary athleticism. So you don't react to you know a cut or a really good you know uh, route that a receiver runs as well because your pad level is higher. And so when you're playing zone, you're more reading and you're reacting that way. Um, and so the the nature of, of it fits, you know, and that's kind of what Seattle wants to, I mean, uh, the Jets want to do what Seattle did, mm-hmm. you know, with the Legion of Boom. And so Gardner fits that. I'm still not, I'm still not a hundred percent sold, but I think in terms of a situation, you're, he's not going to be asked to play a lot of man coverage. He'll be fine. Okay. Uh, how about uh, you, Mr. Cotto? Uh, who do you have? Your top five? Yeah, so so my top two, I don't want to sound too redundant. It's the Ravens and the Eagles. The, the NFL lets the Ravens do this every year. Hamilton, Linderbaum, uh, Travis Jones. It's like, well, why, why, why do you just let them have nice things year after year <laughs> after year? It's just not fair. Eagles, we already talked about Davis and then and then uh, you know Brown there, just that alone is just is just winning the the draft. Uh, along with what they did later, the Jets as well. I had a little bit of an issue, not that, not so much with the player. I just think sometimes when you're still another year or two away, I don't love taking running backs terribly early, even though it's not the first round. But they more than made up for it, in my opinion, with um, uh, Jeremy Ruckert in that selection there. Uh, just just because Ohio State just pretends that the tight ends don't exist in the passing game doesn't mean this guy can't really do it all. You like Jeremy Rucker, huh? I, I do, and I'm a Penn Stater, and it, it pains me to say it. Um, but, yeah, I, I really like Jeremy Ruckert and what he can do that just, you know, wasn't really, you know, shown there at Ohio State because of all those receivers and just how they structure their passing game. But I think there's very few tight ends out there in the league where you can say whether you're in line or in the slot, hey, go ahead and run a, a corner route 15 yards downfield, get separation, go up and get the ball and come down in bounds and, you know, with the body control and everything needed for that, and then go up the seam or make some hard cuts. I think he can really do it all athletically. Um, I, I think that's a real sleeper pick and that more than made up for the issue I had with them going up for, for Brees Hall there or, or, or landing Brees Hall there pretty early. Um, and uh, also I had Jermaine Johnson right there in the, in the twenties or so. I know a lot of people had him a bit higher, um, I, I always had him kind of there throughout the process, still very good player. I just didn't have him as like a top eight type guy that some others did. Um, but other teams there too, 
I'm looking at the Chiefs, right? And it's like, you just kind of go down the list and it's like, oh, I like that. Trent McDuffie, I like that. George Karlaftis, I like that. Sky Moore, I love that. Ryan Cook, I like it. Tough safety there. Leo Chanel inside there at linebacker. You got Bolton there. I love that. Josh Williams, I love the intrigue there at corner. And then Darian Kennard falling as far as he did. I, you know, I have some issues with athleticism at the outside and so forth. You have to stick him in at guard. But to get him as late as they did, um, it's not as big of a steal as Trey Smith was, but it's still a quality pickup that late in the draft. So when I just looked at the Chiefs, I said, holy cow, for a team picking late round after round, they did a heck of a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my top four. And then I guess I'd round out the fifth um, with the Lions. I, you know, Hutch was the layup, you know, but they took advantage of it. I like Jameson Williams. Uh, I'm also a fan of Kirby Joseph there at safety. We were talking about safeties earlier. I think that's another quality one. Uh, in this class there out of Illinois. So I think they did a really good job still a year or two away, but they, they I think they did a lot of, uh, you know, hit a lot of singles and doubles in this draft, and that goes a long way during that rebuild. So uh, I, I would say those are my five, Ravens, Eagles, Jets, Lions, and Chiefs. You got to see Kirby Joseph for all nine overtimes, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Don't, uh, mm, oh man, I should hang up. <laughs> don't, don't remind us. Please don't remind us. <laughs> They need to change that rule. That was awful. Lance, who are you top five? Uh, number one is definitely the Ravens uh, because of what they were able to do in their first three rounds. Uh, you you obviously get Kyle Hamilton. I had number two on my board. Tyler Lindenbaum, 35 on my board. You get uh, David Ojabo, who was number 22 on my board. And then you get Travis Jones, who was number 29 on my board. You get four players in my top 25 picks. And now my, my board is obviously a lot different than everybody else's is four players in your first four picks inside the top 35 in my class, that's a huge steal. The number two team would be the New York Jets. We talked about Sauce Gardner, talked about Garrett Wilson. You talked about uh, uh, David John, uh, uh, Jermaine Johnson, excuse me. Uh, those, those guys were all top 32 players on my board as well. So to get the value, you get there. The, the third team to me is going back to what Ray was saying there, the Kansas City Chiefs. You, you get to trade it for Trent McDuffie. You, you, you get uh, George Karloftis. You get Sky Moore. You get Brian Cook. You get Darion Kendrick, who I had as a top 64 player in, on my draft board. Based on the tape, the athletic testing did not match what he actually showed on tape because he is incredibly sticky in coverage. He's super physical, super lengthy. He has a lot of ball production. To get him to fall to, what, the sixth round or wherever, wherever the hell they took him, that was an incredible value for me for uh, for number for number three. Um Number four is probably the Detroit Lions. Uh, going up and getting uh, Jamison Williams is probably a little bit of a reach to me uh, I, I, without getting the quarterback. But you, you've got a quarterback there. The, the pair with Amon Ross, Hayton Brown, with Jamison Williams, you get Aiden Hutchinson, who is a, a top five player on my board as well. Uh, like I said, Jamison Williams before the injury was a top 10 player on my board. So that like to, to be able to pair that and what else they did in the rest of the draft. Excuse me, I'm drawing a blank here. Sorry. Uh, number five, though. I do got to give a shout out to my Denver Broncos here. And I actually kind of hate myself for saying it. The Broncos traded number nine and number 40 overall for Russell freaking Wilson. Okay. Like they got the quarterback of the future. They added a lot of depth. Nick Bedito at number 64. Uh, they got uh, Greg Dulcich at number, uh, number, eight, number 80. Uh, they ended up getting Damari Mathis, who was my favorite cornerback uh, in that particular range. My favorite pick of the Broncos draft uh, to get him there. Uh, they also got uh, any, who uh, was a Riki, the interior defensive lineman from Iowa state, who was a great value there. Uh, they added a lot of depth to this team. They're, they didn't go into the draft with 
with very many holes except for like the right tackle and the inside linebacker position. But even then, what they did in free agency to fill the holes there, like you have to respect that they just stuck to what their board was. They added a lot of depth to to build out a solid roster. And by the way, Russell freaking Wilson. Okay, let's <laughs> let's throw that in there because I'm fairly certain that it, that anybody in this room right now, if you could give number nine and number forty for Russell Wilson, you would do that over and over and over again. <laughs> You're right. It's actually interesting. I was just going to ask you about that. They were actually one of the three teams that I thought that and the Cardinals and the Colts were the three teams I really thought that nailed uh, their picks not having a first round pick. Yeah. Yep. It, it, like Nick Benito is a guy that uh, the, the length, the athleticism, the fluidity is there. Uh, he's a great pass rusher, really bendy. Uh, his ability against the run is probably something that is the worst trait for him because he doesn't use his hands. Like he, like he has to get better with his hands, use that length better and stop guessing. Like, like stop trying to be that slasher at the, at the second level. But the one thing I've got for insider information here, because I, I do cover the Broncos here, they want to use him as that Leonard Floyd role. Get him off the ball, use his coverage ability and his ability at the second level in early downs, and then use him as a pass rusher on third down and, and passing situations. That makes a lot of sense to me. Pair that with Baron Browning. Pair that with Draymond Jones, with Randy Gregory, who is a guy they went and got in free agency. Pair that with Bradley Chubb they've got. They also have another interior pass rusher. In, uh, uh, they got DJ Jones as well. They, they, they've got uh, McTelvin Aguim from a couple of, uh, of years ago. Uh, and, and then Jonas Griffith, a uh, former linebacker from Oklahoma from a couple of years ago, who shows that ability. Watch them play cloud coverage and watch them just attack from multiple different angles, this defense got really freaking scary, guys. Like, seriously. And then they've got an offense that's going to keep the defense off the field. So, whew. Sorry, I I got tingly. I'm glad you said that because I got some problems with with Benito. I'm not as high as him as you are. I think, like you said, the traits are there. But like you mentioned, the the hand usage really has to improve. Oh, it's terrible. And I'm like, okay, you're going in a division with Rashawn Slater, and he's just going to just – you know, hang out and, and just have a heck of a time with you for 60 minutes. Um, yep. So he's got to improve traits are there. Um, but I, I think, I think he's, he's a bit raw and it's a good situation to go into because like you mentioned, yep. there, there's a lot of pieces on the defense. You're not relying on him yep. um, early on, like some other players. Um, but uh, it might be a bit of a rough go if, if he finds himself over there on the, on the edge there against someone like Slater twice a year uh, early well, on. I- Sorry to interject one more time before I let you guys carry this out. Uh, uh, the, the the one nice thing about Benito is, uh, like like I said, you've got multiplicity with him. You don't have to line him up on the edge all of the time. You've got Chubb. You've got Randy Gregory. You've got the ability to line him up all over the different force formation. The delayed blitz is, is a big thing with him. You've got four or five speed coming as a delayed blitzer. Go set set and then go like th- that ability there is closing speed his length is so good at that particular aspect and drop him back into coverage why not he showed he was a better coverage defender than a run defender at oklahoma why not use him to his best talents mm. one of our fans jeff says so many dogs taken who could have seen that coming and then he says number one dallas hey jeff we have a cowboys fan on the panel that probably would not agree with that <laughs> all right so last question for all of you uh john you go first your top three worst draft on your board. I didn't see a lot of horrible, horrible drafts, honestly. <laughs> um, I guess this year what I kind of did a little bit differently than I normally do is I went into you know the All-22 on Game Pass and just kind of got really familiar with all the different teams back in January 
And I mean, watching the season throughout the year too, but making sure that I had tabs on every team and understanding what they kind of wanted to do going into this year. Um, and you, you see the draft plans kind of lay out, you know, when, when you do that, when you're, when you're a little bit more familiar with the systems and, you know, what's going to be changing with different coaches coming in and, and watching, you know, the free agency period and the trades all start. And so uh, it's very difficult for me to sit here and, and analyze and say that three drafts are terrible. Um, the one that didn't make a lot of sense to me uh, from top to bottom, I think was probably Atlanta. Um, I, I They had a couple good picks here and there that I thought were good. Um, specifically, it was, it was a good idea to take Desmond Ritter in the third round when he was there. That was a good fit. And he's, um, as my good friend Thor Nystrom at NBC Sports Edge likes to say, um, he, mainland Mariota is what he calls him. And that's basically what Desmond Ritter is. I think he's the best quarterback in this class. And I, he I, could I, be. I do. He could be. And I think, you know, the one of the biggest concerns with him initially was being able to overcome, you know, adversity. And when things get difficult and kind of when they're out of when they're out of the structure and he's talking, he improved on that this year and talked about how being a parent really helped with all of that as well as, you know, just, hey, we got to do the best we can with what happens. Um, but I didn't think that I didn't think they had a lot of fits. Um, and some of the guys that they took when with other talent on the board wasn't great. And then Dallas uh, was really bad in, in the beginning of the draft, but they ended up finishing out really well, getting some good depth later on in the fourth and fifth round specifically. So uh, I, I thought it was very unwise to take a you know, Sam Williams in the second like that. I didn't think Tyler Smith was a great idea in the first, unless you have an absolute, you know, surefire plan for him. But like I said, it's very difficult for me to sit here and, and pull three out and be like, yeah, this is bad. This is bad. Well, the you know, worst, the Dallas three worst, terrible. the three worst, not, not terrible. The three worst draft, you know, draft class, you know, Teams that had the worst draft. That, uh, that's all I'm saying. I'm not terrible. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem is I understand what everybody's trying to do, you know? Yeah. And um, I didn't come away and sit here and like, I that, that draft makes no sense to me, you know? Mm, gotcha. Outside of maybe Atlanta. I got you. Ray, how about you? Three worst. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because similar to what John was saying, I can see what someone is doing even if I don't agree with the picks. Right. Um, first, it, when someone asked me, okay, worst draft, the initial um, thought that comes to my head is Pittsburgh, right? Just because I really don't like Kenny Pickett there. I think that's a major reach. I think really any of the quarterbacks at that spot would have been a major reach. But then they kind of make up for it in the sense that they do this fairly often. They grab Pickens and they, gra- uh, and they grab uh, Calvin Austin the third uh, in the second and fourth round, respectively there. And Leal is intriguing. I got some concerns with him, but there's some upside there. Uh, with their third round pick. So they kind of made up for it there in, in day two um, with, with some of those picks. But if I had to say, I'm not thrilled with anyone, it would be Pittsburgh. I still think there's just a lot of, a lot of holes in that roster there. And, and um, you know, I guess it's credit to them with kind of sticking with their board and not just reaching for a certain need and that they, you know, in the sense that they did take Pickens and, and Calvin Austin there, despite already having what Claypool and Deontay over there, at receiver, they always seem to find very good receivers in the day two range. So I get it. I just, uh, I just don't love. You know, I just think it's a reach there at, at the quarterback spot, and that's obviously critically important. You still have offensive line issues. 
Um, so if I had to say one, it would be, uh, I guess, Pittsburgh. And then similar to what I said earlier, um, with the Saints, you know, again, it's not that I don't love Chris Olave. It's just kind of their process in getting there with the multiple trade-ups. Uh, not sure it's worth it there. And then Penning, again, in my, in my board, obviously they feel differently. We're connected to him for a long time. I've got Penning in, you know, probably in the mid-second round range at best. Wow. Uh, I just have a lot of concerns with his fit there. But I did like the DeMarco Jackson uh, pick in the fifth, uh, the linebacker out of Appalachian State. But if I'm coming out of your draft and I'm saying, oh, you know, you, I, I like one pick and you got another good player there, you know, in the first round, that's not too um, – you know, that, that, that's not too great. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's just my opinion for whatever the heck Sorry. that's worth. Um, you know, and, and so those are the two real ones. I don't know if I want to stretch for a third. I guess it's Jacksonville again. <laughs> uh, just that's why they end up here, you know, year after year. But, like, I like Fortner. I like the center out of Kentucky. He's a tough, scrappy player. Got some flaws in his game, but I like him. I do like Devin Lloyd. Walker, you know, you're betting on upside there, I guess. Um, to go but, one, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely yeah. betting on an upside. <laughs> oh my and, god, it's more more gambling. You know, there's betting and there's gambling. That's gambling. Oh, I'd that's say. gambling, all right. Um, gambling for so, it to fail. Yeah, <laughs> so that'd be those, those would be my three. Those would be my. Three, He'll even be playing. See what the Steelers Walk will be yeah, playing with the Cowboys in four years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they, they love their former first rounders that flame out somewhere else. They, they do take those shots. Dante <laughs> Fowler says hello. So there you go, another ex Jaguar. You guys, the collection. <laughs> How about you, Mr. Lance? So it's not that I necessarily hate what they did. I just hate how the board fell for the Green Bay Packers. Like they desperately needed to go and get a wide receiver. And at 22 overall, they reached a bit on Quay Walker. I I liked him. I liked him a lot. I liked the athletic profile. But uh, Devin Lloyd was linebacker one. Quay Walker was number two. And uh, to see them go linebacker and not wide receiver there, a trade out would have been probably the best way to go there. But then they also went defense with the 28th overall pick and got Devontae Wyatt. While I love the players, I just I, I find it so hard to believe that with all of the drama that they had going on with Aaron Rodgers over the last two seasons, they had to pay him all this money and they got rid of Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling walked, that, that, like their wide receiver core going into the draft had Rico Gafford as wide receiver. Core. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know who, if you guys know who Rico Gafford yeah. is. I'm a Wyoming guy. I, I live in Wyoming. Rico Gafford was a backup cornerback at the University of Wyoming before he went undrafted in the NFL and switched positions to be a wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. You're talking about that's wide receiver four on that roster. Alan Lazard is a, a okay player. You they they then also get the ghost of Sammy Watkins to pair next to the corpse of Randall Cobb. And that's their wide receiver core. And you don't figure out a way to package 22 and 28 to go and get a receiver. I will say they did a good job in going and getting Christian Watson. Like that filled their need there. They went and got Samari Toure out of Montana. Uh, well, Montana at first, and then Nebraska is where he transferred to. Shout out to my Grizz as well, uh, family in Helena. But uh, uh, like, that draft just did not make a lot of sense to me. The Jacksonville Jaguars, again, going back to what Ray said, <laughs> taking Trevon Walker at number one overall, trading back in to go get Devin Lloyd at the linebacker position uh, after you move on from Miles Jackson for whatever the hell reason. You signed <laughs> you signed Foyasad Aluakon from the uh, from the Atlanta Falcons at $15 million a year, and then you draft a, another player there. And then they go and get Chad Muma as well to fill out a linebacker position that – 
does not mesh well together by by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> it does not it does not make sense to me. And then the third and sorry to John here uh, the uh, the New England Patriots drafted Cole Strange at, at what twenty eight overall uh, was was not a great move to me. And I understand there's there's been a lot of insider information come out that says that uh, Cole Strange was not going to make it through the second round. Uh, some some teams even said that he wasn't even going to make it through number forty overall. I I get that. Now, if, if you got that information, you, you you take that into a vacuum. I understand it. And, and it makes a lot of sense after losing Joe Tooney. John, I'm with you on that. But according to my value, he was a third-round player at, at the Met, at the at the best. Um, let me pull up their, their the rest of their class. There was another one that they had. Oh, uh, Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver out of Baylor. Like, he's a punt returner at best in, in the NFL. Straight line burner speed, but no twitch, no, no nothing to add to the offense at, at all. It, like their draft class just continuously seemed like we're reaching for players here. And it, it kind of makes you wonder is, is Bob Kraft and uh, Bill Belichick up there in the Pacific, in, uh, uh, in, in Boston, are, are they starting to lose their minds here a little bit? Cause this is now back to back to back bad draft class for the New England Patriots. Maybe, maybe they got to bring back the dog again. Well, that's what we're going to do. We, we have one of our fans, uh, that wants to come on with you guys. He is a New England Patriot fan. Jeff, what's going on, bro? I will not stand for any of this Patriots blasphemy. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> blasphemy. You're calling them reaches? Uh, Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan, one of the best safeties in the league now. He drafted Shaq Mason, drafted Joe Tooney. Oh, Tooney was only an all-pro. Uh, drafted Michael Owenu in the sixth round. He has no idea what he's doing on the offensive line, does he? Give me all of Cole Strange if Bill Belichick believes it. <laughs> Yo, so I, I got a rebut here. Michael Owenu was a guy that I really liked for them. Uh, I thought he should have went a lot higher. And to see him come in and play – quite honestly, at an all-pro level. And Kyle Duggar was a guy that everybody thought was going to go a lot higher than what he did. Uh, for them to fall, like, that that was a good value there. But how about Nikhil hold on, Harry? That was, hold Dude. on, that was good value? That's exactly what Cole Strange was. The only reason Kyle Duggar moved up anyone's boards is because he had a good senior senior bowl. What did Cole Strange do? Dominated people at the, at the senior bowl. Dominated them. He can play. He's one of the strongest guys in the league. He was a team captain. He's an absolute leader. And he's only got to play guard. It's not like he's playing left tackle. John hey. smiling at the top right corner. <laughs> it, it, it's good, John. What did you got to say? No, 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 no. I, I, I think it. I, I hear what you're saying about Tyquan Thornton. How much of the issues with with his game and his tape is the terrible and horrendous quarterback play that's been going on at Baylor for the last few years. You know, because that's what the other issue too is when you're scheming with that and you're trying to get somebody like him open. That speed's incredible. I had no idea he had that speed. You know, I had him as like a 4-4 guy. And he goes out there and runs a sub-4-2. So, like, I like him. I, I thought that was fine right there. Um, and then Marcus Jones, too, is going to be great. Marcus Jones is an awesome slot guy. I, I swear, every time I put on the tape of him in Houston, he's running 50 yards across the field to make some touchdown-saving tackle at the one-yard line. I mean, he does that just consistently. He's 5-9. Uh, I love him. Pierre Strong is going to be a steal out of South Dakota State. This guy blew up the Shrine Bowl. He was one of the best, if not the best runner at the FCS level. And he really should have probably transferred out and played somewhere to the top tier school. He's going to be awesome. Zach is going to be Chase Daniel, and he's probably going to make $70, $80 million in his career playing 10 (laughs) games. I didn't think it was a terrible draft. I really didn't. 
I, I mean, here, here's the thing that makes, and listen, I'm a draft guy too. I love the draft. So I respect what all of you do. Okay. So I'll, I'll just start with that. But here's what makes me laugh when people go, the Patriots had a bad draft. What's their position of need? They don't have one. They have everything. They, all they had, this draft was all about drafting the right guard and drafting backups. What was their position of need? They don't need linebacker. They got 10 of them on the roster. Did you want them to take a quarterback at number one and, and try to have a quarterback competition with Mac Jones? They have 37 running backs now, so they don't need that anymore. Like, where's their position of need? They drafted what they needed. Isn't, isn't that winning the draft, drafting what you need? You guys just slammed the Packers for not drafting what they need, and then the Patriots draft what they need, and you go, what a terrible job. <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing is it has to go with the value of what you're getting here. I mean, Cole Strange in, in the first round that, yeah, he, he dominated the senior bowl, but the, the dude played at Tennessee Chattanooga. He had a, a had a good, a good week. Uh, and this is a guy that I'm a Broncos fan guys. Like I got Quinn Miners out of uh, university of Wisconsin whitewater last year, like as a dominant player at, at the senior bowl. I understand that. But are you taking Quinn Miners in the first round? Absolutely not. Marcus Jones has dual shoulder injuries right now, by the way. Like, he needs uh, shoulder surgery on one shoulder and maybe on the other one. He's undersized. While I love to play uh, uh, his ability there, I I get that. But are you taking that guy at, what, round three, pick 21, number 85 overall? An undersized cornerback that's a a decent punt returner as well, but has shoulder injuries? You also have Jack Jones, who's a 25-year-old cornerback out of Arizona State, who has major deficiencies in terms of uh, uh, responsibility in his assignments. He's a gambler. Uh, Like he's also got a severely bad attitude. He's also got multiple criminal charges dating back to his time at USC. Like, like there's a lot of issues here. Pierre strong, undersized running back out of, out of South Dakota state, Bailey Zappi. You guys just took, uh, you guys just took Mac Jones in in the first round. That's your, your quarterback in the future. Yeah. Bailey Zappi projects to be a, a great backup quarterback. And quite honestly, he might give what, Mac Jones a run for needed. his money. Like, like I, I just didn't like the value and the players that they took and where they took them. That's the biggest thing. Right. But, but value is a funny word, right? Because I can guarantee you every one of you had uh, Nicobe Dean in the first round, and now he's a third rounder, right? So maybe these people that are professionals that are doing the evaluate, not, not to say that you guys aren't, because again, I respect what you do, but every NFL team passed on Nicobe Dean three times, right? So maybe he wasn't going to get that far. Tyquan Thornton, people said, was a reach in the second round, but the Packers GM, came out and said, oh, we, we were going to take him if the Patriots didn't trade up and take him. So that's at least another person that had Tyquan Thornton there. And, the you know, like, and here's the other thing. Bill Belichick doesn't draft the wheel. He drafts a cog for the wheel, right? He doesn't draft star players. He drafts guys that fits his need, that fits his system. And I would think that, I don't know, being the most successful team over the last 20 years – Kind of hard to question how he drafts. Has he had some bust? He sure has, because you, you look at Nikhil Harry and you go, oh, what a terrible draft pick. But you fail to realize that in the sixth round, he drafts Julian Edelman and turns him into the best slot corner in the history of the league. So, so why are you worried? It sounds, it sounds to me like you, you know, you're worried too much about their first-round pick when you know they're going to hit a six-round sleeper like Michael Onwenu or Julian right. Edelman. So if I'm you, you should sleep sound tonight. forfeited 20 first-round draft picks. You guys should be catching up by now. 
It also helps that you have the greatest quarterback of all time playing on your roster, and he's not there anymore, buddy. Right, who Bill Belichick drafted. Give him some credit. <laughs> John, I'm going to loop you back in because you scared me a little bit there. You were talking about Ty- Tyquan Thornton and going, ooh, well, you know, that, that terrible quarterback play over there at Baylor. You know, that's exactly what I said about Jalen Rager coming out of TCU. And I was like, oh, I like him. He's, you know, and, and that could just be a misval on my part, but – uh, and you're not supposed to scout the helmet. We all know that. But uh, between the Baylor wide receiver history, some of the stiffness I see with Tyquan Thornton, I mean, and then I saying, mean, ah, well, maybe it's quarterback play. Because yeah, you're scary. only really referring to Aaron Dobson and Nikhil Harry, but you're also leaving out Julian Edelman, Deion Branch, Super Bowl MVP. You guys like leave out like the other obvious ones because they weren't first rounders. It's ridiculous. And, Bill Belichick can't win and, with people who think they know his system better than he does. It's unbelievable. And you're leaving out the fact that he had Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, throwing to those receivers, man. Are you are you using the Tom Brady isn't there anymore excuse because they missed the playoffs one year and then they made it again the next year? That's the fastest rebuild I ever saw. Give the guy some credit. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, I'm I'm with you there, man. I'm with you, okay? Like like Dude, I, I'm, you, I don't you, try you, to get caught hey, up I'll, in value. I'll pick on Errol right now. There would be, <laughs> be plenty of people out there that would love their teams to only miss the playoffs for one year. Jesus Christ, Errol has been waiting since 1950 to see I wasn't even alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I try not to get hey, caught up in value. And, and not for nothing, here's, here's another thing that you're going to miss, right? Because, oh, they had a bad draft? You should count as part of their draft Devontae Parker because they gave up a third rounder to get him. Shouldn't that be part of their draft? Devontae Parker, throw him in there. Yeah, John, you're that, trying that to doesn't change nothing for me. Devont- you could throw Devontae Parker in there. You could throw him right out of there. That doesn't change anything for me. So. John, I know you're trying to say something. You got no, I, I was just trying to say I try not to get caught up in value when I'm grading a draft. You know, as long as you pick the right guy, that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not going to know about these guys like really in for at least three years, mm. you know, until we'll, that's when we'll get a really good idea of what was a good draft and what wasn't. I used to be very, you know, critical and very open and very, you know, oh, that was a terrible draft. Oh, that was a terrible pick. And mm. now I'm just kind of, I guess, as I've done this long enough, I like to sit back and kind of sit there and, you know, I'm going to give that some time. I, I see what they're trying to do. I try, I want to understand that. So, um, it takes a lot. Sometimes it takes three to four years for these guys to develop and maybe have yeah. to jump jump ship to another team for them to develop. develop. Uh, as you know, uh, uh, Waller, I mean, look what look what he had to do. I mean, he was on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad and it took John Gruden seeing him run on a f- on the sidelines during practice to say, who's that guy? And then at the end of the game, after at the end of the game, saying that them going to Darren Waller and saying that you were just traded to the o- Oakland Raiders. Pack up your bags. I mean, yep. what what are the chances that happened? Darren Waller is one of the best tight ends in football right now. So things like that can happen. I mean, it, it's it definitely can happen. Look at Tom Brady. You're just saying it. Jeff would say, what was he, a six-round draft pick or something like that? Mm-hmm. Everybody said he wasn't athletic. His body build was da-da-da-da-da. He goes down as the greatest quarterback, one of the greatest or the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. So, yeah, you could find a needle in a haystack. I mean, obviously – uh, Richard There's Sherman. Lots of them. Tony Romo was yep. undrafted. Yep. Richard Sherman. I mean, what was he? A fourth round draft pick? Uh, I think uh, he was a second. Actually, a second. Thomas. Yeah. 
Thomas, who you played know, on the Seattle Seahawks. He was a first-round pick. I think Chancellor was like a fifth-round pick. Was it Chancellor? Pick, yeah, Chancellor yeah, was late. Chancellor's yeah. the late guy, yeah. Yeah, no, Chancellor. I, I'm, I'm so glad. I don't know who that is, uh, what you mean, is in the top right-hand box there, right? But I'm so glad that he said, oh, I look, you know, I don't really look for value. You're just kind of like, you know, looking at the athleticism of the player. Errol, I just sent you a text, right, of the relative athletic score. Yes. Cole Strange grades out as the most athletic guard that's ever been in the draft, ever. Yeah, it, there's nothing wrong with Cole Strange. They, I just sent like, you the text. You can get all of his numbers. He grades out at a 9.95 out of 10. Lance, you're gonna, Lance, what he'll do is he'll argue to the end until you say, okay, he's great. He's great. And what's going to happen no. is, what's going to happen is, you know, two years from now, he's going to make sure if, if, if Cole becomes like a, a top guard in this league, he's going to make sure he finds you on social media and is going to stick it up your ass. That's what but he's going to say. I, but I, I, just, I, well. just, I just laugh because – no, I laugh because everyone goes, oh, it's a terrible draft. What was their need? What did they need to draft? So, so how about this one? Let me, let me point this back directly at you uh, it, because I'm a, I'm a Broncos fan, okay? Uh, what did you think of the Broncos draft? Like it, it, being on the outside looking in, what was our need? What was the need that we had? And yeah, what did I'll you give value? you your exact need. I, I know exactly. You know what you guys should have drafted? And you should have drafted seven of them was an athletic trainer because everyone's always hurt in Denver. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> point. That's, that's, now, that, that actually did get upset. Uh, the, uh, we got a new an entirely new coaching staff and our, and our uh, athletic trainer uh, did get changed out. However, let, let's be real here. I don't know the Patriots as well as you do, obviously. You're a Patriots fan. I'm a Broncos fan. You probably don't know the Broncos as well as I do. What would you say was our biggest need going into the draft? Uh, well, you you know, you not that you guys have kind of missed or whatever, but I would think something on the defensive line, losing Von Miller or something at linebacker to kind of beef up that line. You know, the, the other offenses in that division have gotten a lot better, and I would have thought that that would have been a need. Okay, so we, we drafted Nick Bedino in the second round. We we drafted uh, Enioma uh, Uzuriki in in the in the fourth round. We got uh, uh, Matt Henningsen in 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 the sixth round. So based on right, based I'm on that, we, we feel that need. That the yeah. Broncos had a horrible draft. <laughs> well, I'm I'm saying they had a terrible draft, even though I just got ta- done talking about how it, I think they nailed it. I thought they would have went in a, a lot of different directions. Like we, we can have these conversations back and forth. It, it's what the beauty is in the, the eye of the beholder. And uh, eventually you just got to trust the, the talent evaluators that, that, that these teams are having. These are my opinions. It, my opinions are mine and I'm, I, I have a loud voice. It sounds good. And I really like to hear it. Okay. So I'm going to voice my opinions. And if, 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 even though we don't align with that, that's fine, dude. Uh, just let's have a, let's have an actual conversation about it too, though. I'm just having fun with you, bud. I'm from Boston. I'll argue with you about anything. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm from Wyoming, and I'm super freaking hard-headed, and I appreciate the conversation, man. We, <laughs> and, and thank you for having it with me. I, I just want to defend my Patriots. Everyone's saying it's terrible, and my feelings are hurt. I feel like I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a special person to be me, man. <laughs> Not everyone can handle it. Uh, hey fellas, I I gotta bounce out of here. It's uh it's 10 p.m. my local time. I thank got a you, 4 man. Wake up call. Yes. Thank you all. Thank you all for having Lance, me. Lance, you're a awesome. Great thank conversation. Uh, I, I can't. You wait guys to really do this were again. great. It was a good listening to you guys. Just so you know. Uh, thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Nice meeting you, Lance.
Uh, nice to meet you all as well. John, you as well. Uh, Errol, PD, we've, we've done this before. It was, it was a blast to have you. I can't wait to do this again. We'll Absolutely. talk to you guys later. Yes, Lance, uh, thank stay, you. Stay safe. Take care. Have a great weekend, guys. Absolutely. Have a good one, Lance. Lance Sanderson, you guys are awesome. By the way, uh, personality-wise, is you, you're all very di- different. J- Travis is more laid back to himself. He listens, and then he, he gives his opinion. Uh, I mean, Ray, you, you could tell that uh, you have a, you're very soft-spoken, but you, you'll, you'll, you'll step in and you'll, you'll have your peace. And, John, you're very confident about the way you, you set up your draft and, and you follow through with what you say. You don't, really, you don't really beat around the bush with what you say. And then there's uh, Lance the Loud and uh, uh, very precise personality, which I, I love that about Lance. When he came on the show, I told Speedy, uh, I can tell you right now, he's so confident about himself. It's it's awesome, you know. So you all very unique. And I told Speedy when I, when I wanted to get this draft panel, I said, get me the guys that are very unique but very different at the same. And you all very different in, in very. I mean, you all have you know your draft boards are not far apart, obviously, because you know it, it, it's hard to say that uh, it, uh, you know um, Hutchinson's not the this a top five player, you know what I mean? Nobody thought Walker was a top five player, you know? So, I mean... The Not Jag- sure we played for Georgia, and they're all top five players. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia has 15 top five players. By, by the way, just as, like, a little side bet that you oh, and I kind of a little bit had, Errol, there. Yes. I told you Adam Anderson wasn't getting drafted. You did. You did. I'm interested to, say, to see who's going to pick him up. You know, is anybody going to Nobody. He just got a second case. Really? He just got indicted like five days ago or something. That sucks for him, man. He was he, – some people thought he was the best player on that team at one point. So, you know, it's a shame. But you know what? That's that's what happens when you, you don't know how to keep the canister in your pants, you know? <laughs> he would have been perfect teammates with Deshaun Watson. <laughs> 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 maybe they'll maybe they'll go and get their own massages together. <laughs> maybe Deshaun will give them a massage. <laughs> we we actually have we actually need to build this team, right? Like like someone needs to just get rich for no reason, buy a football team, and actually make the prison team from uh, the longest yard. <laughs> well, wait a second. Dallas has already done that. <laughs> well, the Bengals were first. The Bengals were first. That's right. Ban the Bengals, too. They kind of did. Well, you know, it, it's so funny because, uh, you know, the Bengals over the years, they, they've always drafted very well. If you look at – uh, in the last 20 years, the Bengals had the best draft out of any team in professional football. They, they, but they never get over the hump because their coach just – well, the, the quarterback play, one. And two, uh, their coach just seemed to rely on players he shouldn't have relied on. And three, they have some undisciplinary thing they'll do on the field, well, too. Well, Pac-Man <laughs> needs to stay out of the strip bars. That's what he needed to stay out of. You know, him and uh, – you know, him and uh, – what's his name again? Vince uh, – Vaughn's uh, perfect. Perfect and, and Vaughn. So, um, so all of those guys, they just, for some reason, they got caught up over there at the uh, strip bar playing with themselves or something. I don't know. You know, See, they should be on the team, too, though. Really? Why? Maybe maybe we make you the maybe we make you the coach. Dude, How's that? Dude, Vontez perfect. It just seems like the kind of guy that's irrationally angry because like spell check could never recognize his name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Speedy, you need to reach out to Vante. <laughs> we gotta get him on the show. Change his life. You gotta change his oh, life. Oh, change his life. He'll try to jump can, through the screen to try to kill us. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine Siri trying to spell Vantes perfect? <laughs> well, course, it's perfect. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's got a U in there. It's perfect. Burflect. <laughs> Anyways, and what, what do you? What do those other two guys think about maybe changing Siri's voice permanently to Ed Orgeron's? <laughs> <laughs> just every time you get a text go tigers <laughs> i'm all for it let's do it well i always thought the lsu code the you lsu manager had the weirdest voice that's what he was asking yeah he, he always had he, he always had this yeah that's ed orgeron yeah, that's yeah. who that is uh, that Siri voice man ed orgeron that he's voice. got free time now. What's he doing this year? Nothing, right? He, he was like traveling to Notre Dame. Maybe he'll be. Maybe he'll go on another football movie like The Blind Side. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, if you get a chance, you go get on YouTube no, you... and look up his car commercial in Mississippi when he was the head coach of Ole Miss, like 2008. You want it? It's just priceless. It's priceless. I gotta check Ray, it. Out. It looks like you've already heard it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I haven't heard that. I've just heard him enough to know that that's something I really want to listen to. So I'm gonna type it in right now for to bookmark it I for mean, later. But, honestly, uh, I love Coach. If you were gonna man. put Ed Orgeron <laughs> in a movie, he's actually he actually should be Farmer Fran from The Waterboy. Hundred percent. <laughs> Anyways, boys, thank you for joining us. We're going to get you on soon. You guys were awesome. Ray, John, always always great to have you guys on. Thank you. I Likewise, appreciate it, Appreciate man. you having us. Nice meeting you all. Absolutely. Ray Cotto, John Vogel, Travis May, Lance Sanderson. Fantastic guys. Really. Go Patriots. <laughs> Go Patriots. And then Go there's. Eagles. And then there's Jeff. <laughs> Hey, hey, I, I, I'm going to consider this a win. I made a guy quit arguing the Patriots. Made a guy quit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Lance, I told you, Lance doesn't hold back, man. He, he's got he's got a strong personality, man. I love that about no, him. No, I, I, I just I love like that arguing, so I hope he wasn't hurt by it. No, I, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> He Lance has he does a he has a full time job he has to go to work at four o'clock in the morning over there, so Lance and Lance says he 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 could stay on for an hour he was actually on for an hour and a half and uh, and Lance is a good guy man and he good personality I could, I could listen to these stuff. three donkeys all night I love college football so like <laughs> donkeys. you know I I could I I could listen to them all night I I love that shit <laughs> who are right, here's here's a fun question before they go just one question okay, okay? go ahead go ahead Jeff. who's who uh, on next year's board who's your number one non-quarterback jalen carter ray says jalen carter john will anderson what was that john will anderson jr will anderson Oh, well, oh, dude, he's a monster from Alabama. I still have Kayshawn Boutte. I don't know if you guys like that one. He, he's going to be he's going to be great. Um, I think the concern is the injury that he just had last year. Um, you want to see him bounce back from that. It's like I'm out of 2021, and that's my concern. Well, I believe in LSU. If Derek Stingley can come back and be the number three pick, Kayshawn Boutte can be the first non-quarterback. 
<laughs> I think next year's class is a little bit stronger than this year's. You know, I hate when I I, I hate when people say that because every <laughs> oh, time they I say that, nerve right on the way. I every <laughs> time they say that, every time they say that, there's a class, there's a class that comes up, and they have like six all pro 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 ball players on in and in, in a first round class. So I'm telling you right now, I, I, I remember the Sam Darnold draft. Everybody was oh that draft, the quarterback class is wonderful. There's one quarter that was the that was the draft the Jets are going to draft a Super Bowl winning quarterback, wasn't it? I remember that draft. I hate you, Jeff. I hate you. <laughs> There's a ton that goes into that. We could talk about whether it was Darnold or the uh, just the fire all around him with the Jets. But uh, I do want to say one thing too before I leave. To you, John, you were you you know you made a real point in remark there that that resonates well with the whole you know. Yes, you you have your opinions and and you know you're kind of firm and aggressive with them. But at the end of the day, too, hey, these you know these teams you know have their plan and they're executing, and we only see one piece of the puzzle or some pieces of the puzzle, not them all. And and that's true. But the flip side of that coin also is when I sit there and I watch a bunch of you know Mitch Trubisky tape, and I'm like, I just don't see it. And then I go. Whew, well, look at what the Bears did to get this guy. I'm sure they got him. They probably know more than I do. They've got more of the pieces to the puzzle, right? So let me uh, defer to them. You know, sometimes you don't have to have all those, uh, you know, all those pieces to to put the puzzle together and paint the picture that uh, that you need to see on certain guys. And so, uh, you know, talking with guys like you and and everyone else that was on the panel tonight too, and, and kind of you know, getting to, to hear those ideas and, and kind of challenge yourself and your evaluations is still super valuable. And just, you know, the, the part I love the most about this stuff and, and you know, covering these prospects and, and, and studying the draft and so forth. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have to have a, a suit and tie and a badge to get into an NFL football building in order to, uh, you know, have a valued opinion and evaluate these guys. And, and see what others see that get paid to do it too. So that's that's the beauty of this stuff, and and that's why I love it. And so why I just appreciate you saying that. And, and why uh, can't you guys get paid for it in the future? Because you guys could be scouts, and you guys can have an opportunity as you build your name in the industry. There'll be people listening to you, and if they feel that your your knowledge is is right there amongst the best, they'll say, you know what, I'll pay you to do it. So I'll pay you to do the research and get me the information that I need. So that's I'm how not, all I'm these not guys. I'm not buying it. They weren't. No, the Rams actually just did that this year. They pulled one one of the big draft analysts out of the media and brought him into their organization. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's actually a thing. Mm -hmm. Jeff doesn't buy it because you're not a patriot. Yeah, not not buying it. You didn't like Cole Strange. Bad evaluators. (laughs) I like. You know what? I I probably had Cole Strange above Trevor Penning if I had to look. If that makes you feel (laughs) any better. All right. So there's that. (laughs) Honestly. I, I, honestly, if you like, you know, uh, if you want wanted some unsolicited advice, which is usually garbage, right? But I did work in that industry for a you while, did, yes. and I and I and I would tell you this: that uh, if you want to get noticed, just go full retard, put together like all your evaluations, make books out of them, and just mail them to all thirty-two teams. You'd be surprised how uh, some guys have gotten jobs like that. Mm-hmm. There you go. Little advice. Just, from... put, just put a you put a binder together with all your evaluations on every player, and if they see work and they like that work, they might go, "Oh, come come intern." A year later, you get paid. You know, who knows how you can work your way up? But I would just, you know, it sounds like such a dummy idea because you know, someone's gonna, you know, someone inevitably is gonna say, 
who's this idiot think he is? But what do you care what that person thinks? Because there's going to be another person that goes, oh, I like what this dude wrote. Maybe I should call him. The Browns hired a baseball analytic guy into their front office. So I guess anything's possible. <laughs> just, just consider that sentence. You're talking about the Browns. That's the only fair. Thing that that is fair. <laughs> consider that. Well, no, but I, fair but you guys are smart. I, I, I actually enjoyed uh, listening to your conversation, and you guys have some good takes. Really smart. Even, even Lance made him quit, but even Lance, <laughs> right? Uh, you guys should consider doing that. Honestly, there you go. A little advice for you guys. You guys are young, anyways, and. You, uh, you keep doing what you're doing. There's opportunity out there. Obviously, build your name and, and put your name out there. Same I thing. I, I personally know guys that have gotten jobs like that. Personally, know like I mean, I have friends that work for the Patriots, and uh, you'd be surprised how some of those dummies got their jobs. It's not yeah, just nepotism with Steve Belichick. Some of them are just mm-hmm. off the street. I have, actually. I know that's true. <laughs> well, there you go. Ray, thank you. John, thank you. Uh, we'll get you on very, very soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank Love you. Much. Conversation. Thanks for joining us. Jeff, thank you for calling, go, buddy. We'll talk Patriots. to you soon. Go Patriots. I love it. <laughs> hey, hey, Errol, uh, before I go, one yeah. last question. Uh, where did EJ Perry get drafted? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere. And then he decided from the going to the Philadelphia Eagles to go to the Jaguars. Really great pick. Uh, You'll be playing behind Trevor Lawrence. Are you telling me? I I can't believe my ears. Are you actually telling me EJ Perry didn't get drafted? (laughs) Yes. Yes. We're all, we're all stunned. Hugely shocked. I'm stunned that a chemistry major didn't get drafted. (laughs) By the way, the Grizzlies won tonight. (laughs) That wasn't the game. What was the big game tonight? Uh, The Rangers losing. No, Uh, that that was the unfortunate game. What was the big game? Uh, I don't know. The big did you see? I know we JB, know what you're going to say. <laughs> did you see JB knocking down three? Did you see the team defense they played without the defensive player of the year in the lineup? <laughs> oh, oh my God, it was unbelievable. Well, uh, where's Ben? Where's Ben when you need him? Well, I, I do, I do, I do have news for you. Uh, the Yankees won again. <laughs> they did. Yeah, they're on a roll. The Red Sox stink. <laughs> The Yankees did win again, which I'm surprised, but uh, good for the Yankees. You know? Yankees are playing some solid ball right now. They are. Not as solid as the Celtics, but the Yankees <laughs> are good. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jeff. Only Jeff. I'm, I'm just going to break you until you get on this Celtics train. you gotta, you got to get on board. We're all riding. I don't know. The Yankees, at the last three innings, they, they scored nine runs. I mean, it's ridiculous. Wow. 9-1 to the Blue Jays. Whew. Destroyed. We turned it on. It was a tie game at one. Yeah. <laughs> and I was listening early, and I heard Speedy wasn't like super pumped up about the Giants draft. I think no, I know. I like the Giants days. draft. I like the Giants draft a lot. I just didn't like the second round pick. Beyond that, I thought the draft was very good. You didn't like Wandale Robinson? Not that early. I would have taken him in the third. I, I in the second, he I thought there were better options. That, he wasn't going to last that long. You don't think so? No. Because I was, see, I was seeing, I was seeing a lot of late second into the third round grades, but they were trading back so much they were getting a lot of extra picks. It's not that I even necessarily wanted even a receiver in that spot. I liked some of the values with the pass rushers that were still there. Uh, Bernard Raymond was an offensive lineman; like he could move, shift over to the guard, he could bolster the line a little more. Like there were a couple picks I really liked in that spot, even that weren't a wide receiver. So honestly, I, I think your sixth rounder was one of the best ones, Darian Beavers. I love that. Pick. Yeah, dude. Hard not to like a dude that played linebacker on one of the most ball-hawking defenses last year, right? Mm-hmm. 
I, yeah, I love they that. They were pick. great. That was actually that was my, definitely my favorite of the day three picks for sure. And, and I like the guard you guys got from North Carolina. Yep. That is Zudu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, third yeah, round I, pick. I like. I liked it. I liked what they did. Yeah, I they, thought it was a win. They were they were saying that he they might even believe he could even start at left guard and if they move John Feliciano into center because they don't really have a real great pure center on the roster it's possible he could even start I'm just looking at the National League East for the for for baseball that 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 division stinks man it is not the Mets best team in baseball no the Yankees are the best team in baseball no best not Mets the Yankees are the best team in baseball, man. No, nope, just record doesn't reflect the trash opponents you guys played into the Mets. They're trash up. opponents? What are you talking about? Well, who the Mets beat? Who did they beat? Anyone's better than the Red Sox right now. <laughs> the Yankees uh, right, The Yankees just beat the Blue Jays today. <laughs> right, they stink. Even the Red Sox could beat the Blue Jays. That's terrible. One once out of four games. The Blue Jays are 15 and 10. They don't stink. They have the second they best stink. record in the American League. <laughs> yeah, that's not saying much. <laughs> so, so everybody, everybody in the American League stinks, and all fifteen players of Georgia should be our, our top five picks. Well, honestly, you don't think the whole world is upside down? Look at how look at the expectations coming into the season for the White Sox, and they're garbage right now. They are, but they'll you be know? better. They'll be better, right? But I'm just saying, right now, so will the Red the Sox, that, right? But right, right. But this is what I'm saying is like, but right now. All the teams everyone thought were going to be good this year are actually garbage. Well, I, I uh, min- minus the Yankees, minus the Blues. Yes, but like, but you look around it. Like most of the teams, everyone was like, "Oh, I like that team." Minnesota, they stink. I mean, a lot of the experts, a lot of the experts that I've read said that the the two best teams in the American League are the Yankees and the Blue Jays, and they're right. Right now, it's the Yankees and the Blue Jays. So a lot of the experts said that the Yankees and the Blue Jays are going to be fighting for the division this year, and it's turning out to be that way. And the Yankees, their their rotation's starting to fall into place, and if it continues doing what it's doing right now. Uh, they're they're going to be hard to beat with that with that bullpen and and the defense they played. They have they've only committed one error in the last eleven games. Wow, that's that's hardest crazy. Team. You know who the hardest team to beat is right now, right? Who the Boston Celtics? <laughs> the Boston Celtics. <laughs> well, that's not true because they they're one and one in that 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 that's that series right. Right, now. I know one and one. It's the only game they've lost all playoffs. <laughs> By the way, every team. Think about this too. Every team in the playoffs, uh-huh. every team in the playoffs, uh-huh. won a playoff game. Yep. That's one. Who? The, the Philadelphia. <laughs> well, I'm talking about this round. Philadelphia doesn't seem like there was only one team that got. There was only one team that got swept. Who did it? The Nets. Who did it? Yeah. Yes. The and Celtics. the Celtics. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Bag. We're letting you go, bud. <laughs> It was it was so awesome. Watch Jalen T- Jason Tatum tie a toe tag around Kevin Durant. See you later. <laughs> Throw him in the freezer. He's dead. Thank you, Jeff. Beautiful, Jeff from Tampa, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be back Thursday, as everybody knows. Thank you to our draft panel: Lance Sanderson, uh, Travis May, John Vogel, and Ray Cotto. Uh, great, great, great panel, and they went in the ins and the outs of the first round. Uh, couldn't have been any better. It really couldn't have. Uh, great, great personalities, and and I love Lance. His personality, his sharp personality, very funny. And, and Jeff really got him <laughs> yeah. under, under his skin. I'm not surprised he gets onto everybody's skin. Right, next time we have Lance on the show, we'll include Jeff and then just have to banter it out forever. Right, Lance, Lance doesn't. Uh, Lance didn't like it. I can tell you that. But anyways. 
Uh, but Jeff, Jeff doesn't. I don't think Lance was going to back down. If he, if, if, no. he, if he didn't have to have that early that early shift or whatever he had, yeah. he would have stayed on and just argue with Jeff forever. Anyways, that's it for our show. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy PD saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.